You're listening to the vocal minority with Nick Reynolds and Steve Harness. <laughs> mm. Hot. How much time? You're on. Mm, I love scotch. I love scotch. Scotch is got scotch. Here it goes down. Down into my belly. Mm-mm-mm. That is good. You're on the air. How are you? You look awfully nice today. Maybe don't wear a bra next time. How much time till we're on? What? We're on the air right now. I'm ready. Are you ready? Sometimes I don't feel like we have a choice to be ready or not. Uh, well, you know, you just when uh, the, the what is the starting pistol at the race? You just got to start running, dude. And here we are right. on uh, recording date anyway, November 7, 2022. And uh, we're back for our 11th episode here with the vocal minority with Nick and Steve Olabruski. Hey there. Yeah, number 11. It's crazy. And uh, I don't know if anyone's noticed yet, but every YouTube video, the full you know uh, podcast that we post on the YouTube page, which if you're listening to the audio version, you can see what we all look like on YouTube. Uh, but has anyone noticed that you know our entire show open, uh, the camera stays locked on one of us, and it's usually me, and now I feel compelled. <laughs> I feel compelled to do something, but you know, like, <laughs> so every episode starts with me pantomiming something different or making some subtle faces or so. That's interesting, that dude. You play the show open, so it here's your audio and uh, yes. just puts it right on your beautiful mug. Steve, you look great today. Yeah, part of this uh, camera thing is uh, fun because you get to see us radio guys behind the scene, but it's new for us. So I, I don't. It's like that Will Ferrell movie, speaking of our show open, uh, <laughs> Talladega Nights, where he's being interviewed and he doesn't know what to do with his hands. Right. Because right. he's never on TV, <laughs> so he just keeps raising his hand. And the interviewer's like, put your hands down. <laughs> I feel the same. Like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do with a camera's just staring at me. So. Will Farrell's out on the uh, campaign trail. He's down in Texas, uh, been walking door to door for Beto. Oh, really? Yeah. Which I, I have not was seen cool. that yet. Showing up at just random people's houses. And, uh, you know, most of them freak out. You get a few oldies who are like, you look familiar, uh, but I don't know who you are. But for the most part, like people are, I'd die if Will Ferrell came to my door, right? I was going to say, I'd vote for whoever he told me to vote for. <laughs> it would be, uh, it'd be funny, though, if somebody didn't know who he is. And like, why is this weird, sarcastic guy at my door telling me who to vote for? You know? Yeah, exactly. I would want him. Tell me who to vote as Will Ferrell and then tell me who to vote as Ron Burgundy. Right. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I'm wearing my Ron Burgundy underwear today. I are you? Yeah. <laughs> is that no underwear or no, silk I have a, boxers? I have, one pair pair of, I have one pair of underwear that's burgundy. And every time I'm like, these are my Ron Burgundy underwear. Oh, okay. I wear them on a lot of these shows, just so you know. So I'm trying to channel a little burgundy from down south. <laughs> Very good, dude. And Very speaking nice. of the election, now when this gets posted, it's going to be election day in America. And uh, boy, I don't know. Blue wave, red wave, uh, anarchy. Uh, what will happen on election day? <laughs> I, it's going to be crazy. Really worried. I was going to say, yeah, it's it's legitimate fear. I'm nervous, dude. I'm nervous for sure. Uh, what's our prediction? We wake so we up can to sound completely outdated. different. Say again. I said, what's our prediction? So we can either sound outdated or like geniuses when people start to listen back to this. Listen, I want to say that my prediction is is that uh, there's more and more people catching the blue flu and realizing that it's a a vote for compassion and humanity and common sense. Uh, but I, I don't, I don't know if that's true, dude. I mean, I can't, yeah. I, I want to say that's that, true. but it's still America. 
and we still have our heads up our asses, so we'll see. You know, yeah. I mean, here's the thing, off election cycles, the midterms, I mean, usually there's less turnout and usually the Democrats don't show up uh, and usually the power, the, the party in power usually loses some power. So I don't know if regular mathematics are going to apply tomorrow or. Well, have, have you guys seen the, the videos from uh, around the country at, at a lot of college campuses? I saw one at um, one in Pennsylvania and then one in Austin near University of Texas. And there are just major lines of students lining up to vote which is which is usually a good thing for the democrats obviously um and they they have said that the um the early vote to turn out in georgia has long surpassed anything they've ever seen and that also bodes well but at the same time you just don't know what's what's going to happen when people show up on same day no, for sure. And, um, you know, that's a good sign, what you're saying. But also the other, that crazy 30 to 40% in this country of the Trumpers, they're all fired up too. So I know they're showing up. And I the feel youth like... Vote, I was going to say the youth vote, it, you guys could rule this entire country if you showed up, but you usually don't. So 100% you could, dude. 100%. I was talking uh, yesterday to my niece who is 18 years old, and this is definitely not a video to call her out, but it's just to talk about kids or young adults her age. Uh, She's a waitress. We went in and had uh, breakfast, and I was like, uh, have you voted yet? And she was like, no. And I was like, uh, you have got to get this done, dude. This is It's your first opportunity to vote, first of all. So you should be excited to do that. And she was like, yeah, I just haven't gotten around to it. I was like, it's five seconds. You've got a mail-in ballot. Sit down and fill it out. And she's like, "Uh, you know, I know some of them, but I don't know so many on there. I, I, Let me so fill I it out know. for you. Just give me that thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, I was but- like, I I can uh-huh. help you with it. And you know what? And when I say that, I, I don't mean to take her vote at all. You know, sometimes with my mother, since uh, Rachel's an attorney, like when all the judges are on the pamphlet, uh, my mom doesn't really know. So she'll kind of ask Rachel, uh, give me what this one's for and what this one's for. And then she makes her own choice. But just to kind of walk her through it, you know, and you pick what you want. But I think a lot of people feel like, yeah, I know the majors. Uh, you know, people that are running for Senate and uh, common. all the money is, you know, being spent on these fucking commercials are off the chain this year, dude. Yeah, they, they are. Yep. They are. I we, don't we mind. Next, We've we, had a good we, month of October at the radio station. <laughs> good for you. Yeah. We, <laughs> yeah. we, we, we had a, a we have a woman that's running as a Republican, not surprisingly, when I tell you this, uh, running for Congress in my district who and I won't say her name. But one of her positions is that this the whole life is, begins at conception. So for her, as soon as that egg is fertilized, that's a life and you can't and there's nothing you can do about it. And you're stuck with it. And I'm just thinking you are absolutely crazy, woman. You are absolutely crazy. Try taking it out of the womb at conception and see how long it lives. Yeah. That's always been my definition. People always ask, well, when does life begin? I always say life is self-sustaining. So if you can take it out of the womb, whether it's medical necessity or early birth, whatever it is, if it, it can survive with medical help, then it's alive. Yeah. I mean, even with, the, you know, with, if you have that whole argument of, you know, when does, uh, when does the baby become viable? It's like, you know what? All these uh, people are coming out around the country already, especially like down in Texas, where you see like 
there's women almost dying because these doctors now have their hands tied. I feel so bad as we uh, get into all of this for doctors. They have to make uh, decisions that they know uh, they took a they took an oath, right, to keep people healthy and everything else. So what am I going to break the law or my oath? Uh, it's a fucked up situation, dude. It is. And I'm curious to see if this spurs the, that other, uh, you know, voting percentage that normally doesn't show up. You know, if, I enough, hope so. uh, if enough women or men that care about women uh, decide to show up for the midterms because of the row overturning. So and we'll see. I'll say this, dude, uh, as someone who can't have children and that has been trying to adopt for several years and who has fostered kids that take your opinion for the most part and stick it up your fucking asshole because you don't care about the kids once they come out. I mean, in this foster care system, dude, you guys would be just the majority of America would be shocked to know what these kids go through, where they're being held when they can't find a home for them. Uh, And you're only worried about them while they're in the womb. We want to give every child a chance to be born and live just a fucking shitty life of sleeping in offices, on couches, in old dirty hotels, in cars in Washington state. They've had uh, so many kids that they're sleeping in social workers' cars, dude. Wow. Don't tell me that religious types are being hypocritical when it comes to uh, caring for children. (laughs) That would would blow my mind wide open. It's the whole uh, love the fetus but hate the baby. Yes, Brewski. Thank you. (laughs) Of course. It's just an excuse to get on their high horse, but it's having some major real-life implications. And, you know, that all comes down to the Supreme Court and judges. And like Nick said, I think it's very common not to know every nuance of your local ballot, but... Either take the time to do a little research, skip the ones you don't know about, or just vote a straight ticket at least. But when it comes to judges, I would encourage you to either do your research or not vote if you don't know. I had a neighbor a few months ago tell me, you know, my son is running for judge. You should go vote for him. And, <laughs> and I said something like, well, you know, I, I'm, I take my politics very seriously. Like, I'd have to do some research. And she was like, oh, it's a judge. It's not political. And <laughs> I, I, I laughed out loud. Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> Judges are more political than ever and having major impacts on our lives. So, no, I'm not just blindly voting for your son for judge for the next, what, five years, 20 years? Is it a permanent thing? Like, who fucking knows? But- and most people don't have any research on judges. And like Steve said, either do it, just do us all a favor, dude. Don't we want this country that we live in to be a great place for not only us to live, but our next generations of of children i mean do take a little fucking time off your phone even if it's to stop watching this podcast go fucking educate yourself pause the podcast (laughs) that's what i mean yeah definitely pause it but yeah i mean just take some time dude you everyone that i know even the hardest working people have a few minutes to make sure that our future is a fucking golden. Yes. Just make sure you're using some credible website, not, uh, you know, redstate.org or some bullshit. Like, you know, speaking of which, dude, we got to get into this whole Twitter thing. I mean, this is blowing up and uh, the, the timeline that it's happening is so freaking dangerous right now. Yes. That was by design, I'm sure. I'm sure it was too. The sale didn't go through. I'm back in it. You know, I'm sure it was by design. 
I am curious about that. And uh, yeah, a quick reminder to everyone out there, we're on the social medias, so find us. We're on Twitter as of now. I don't know if we're going to stay there, but um, TikTok, that's a big one for us. Our YouTube page is good. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram, mainly for Brewski's benefit. And uh, <laughs> so go find us on those things and help spread the good word. By the way, we're trying to grow this show. So if you're enjoying it, um, uh, spread the word. And I was telling Nick the other day, you know, our podcast growth, uh, it, it goes up and down with our social media stuff. So, you know, the more of that social media you guys can share for us, the better off it does. Um, but I will say our podcast is the people that are listening to us, they're, they're staying. And um, whoever you are in Wichita, please reach out to us. Yeah, why do you refuse to reach out to us, dude? The analytics map, I, I think I've told you guys, like you start off this light gray and the more podcasts you listen to, your your dock gets brighter and brighter. And eventually it starts to turn orange when you're really maximizing like downloads. So like if you zoom out on Seattle, like the whole area is orange or the whole Northern California, Sacramento area is orange. This one guy in Wichita has got that entire area orange all by himself. Which means he's downloading every, every podcast episode. that we're yes. doing. Yes. Right. And listening to the entire thing. So yeah. come on, <laughs> let us know who it's, you are. I'm telling you, it's BTK. It's it could BTK be BTK killer. It could be, dude. We're, yeah, we don't he's know. Gonna, he's got nothing else going on right now. Yes. And by the way, we continue <laughs> to rank in the top 200 in the United Kingdom for improv comedy. So yeah. thank yeah. you, buddy Dark Horse over there for spreading. Oh, now you are a champion. But. Speaking of Twitter, yes. What the fuck is going on? Is that place imploding? Are they doing all this on purpose? I mean, they're they're firing people. Now they're rehiring people. They're changing content censors. They're banning somebody like Kathy Griffin for making fun of Elon Musk and quote-unquote impersonating him. Right. Yeah, well, yeah, so the, the, the problem with that was, so people were noticing, there's, there's one person that I follow named uh, Muller, she wrote. And she does a political podcast and she happened to notice that there were there was somebody else on Twitter that had uh, a name just like hers, but spelled just slightly different with her avatar and, and that sort of thing and impersonating her. Does and, she have the blue check mark? Because that's the big thing that's happening right now. Well, uh, the, she did. Yes. But what happened was. She had a problem with that and complained and Twitter was like, hey, listen, we can't we can't help it if someone is is impersonating you online. And then and Elon Musk uh, said that he's not going to do anything about people impersonating. Like, if you want to impersonate somebody, you can. It's no problem. Well, so Ka but the Kathy Griffin, did, Kathy Griffin did it to him. Yes. And said and that, that's that's what got her um, banned. Well, the the, the the sticking point, though, is the blue check mark. You know, we've all seen it on Twitter when somebody has got a verified identity. Yeah. So Twitter started that originally so that people couldn't impersonate famous people. So famous people get the blue check mark so you know it's really Kathy Griffin or or Barack Obama or whoever sure. it is, you know, they're verified. But now Elon Musk wants to make some money off Twitter since he just sunk $44 billion into it. So he's now going to charge you if you want to just be verified, which means if you're willing to pay the eight bucks a month, you automatically get the blue check mark. And then what Kathy Griffin did, because she was already verified, she changed her name to Elon Musk and it's got the blue check mark. So you can impersonate people very easily now and they've opened that door to it. It's going to be crazy, dude. Hey, hey, who doesn't spend $8 a month on anything, dude, on a, on a cup of coffee every morning? I mean, right. yeah, yeah, it's going to be insane, dude. This opens up so much, and it's incredible to see already with, you know, what they laid off over half initially, 
half yeah. the yeah. staff, right? Like that, and yeah. now they're bringing some back saying, oh, we let go some of you by mistake. <laughs> we might need you. <laughs> we might need you. Yeah, we've thought it over. But the uh, hate speech is jumping quickly on what's allowed, you know, uh, just for the one instance that I was reading was the N word has gone up like 500 percent. Exactly. 500 percent. Wow. Yep. That's crazy, dude. Well, Well, and then, you you know, so the whole Kyrie Irving thing that happened recently with him posting the link to that uh, anti-Semitic movie. Yeah. Well, the 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 hat, the two hashtags that people were sharing to support him. One of them was hashtag the Jews. And you should have seen just the I mean, I can't even describe the language that they were using there. And the worst part about it was so many of these people that were doing that were young African-American people. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, are you doing this because you support Kyrie Irving or do you actually have that inside of you? You, you know, um, I bet and, it's a little support of him, a little bit inside of them. And then also just young people are impressionable. Some famous guy starts bashing on someone. They have this urge to just jump on the bandwagon, not understanding how ignorant it is. Well, like I you know, said before, dude, a lot of people don't even know what they're talking about. They're just taking a side to be able to spout off and, and get whatever pleasure they get out of it. But they don't even they don't know what they're talking about. Well, you know, I, I'll tell you, I was really disappointed in particular in Chuck D from Public Enemy. Yeah. And um, and I, I Chuck, listen to our show <laughs> if you get a chance. But um, I was disappointed in that because. So he has a, a history of being really tight with uh, Louis Farrakhan, and yeah. also he and a, and a lot of the old Public Enemy uh, songs, he he talks about Louis Farrakhan and the Nation of Islam and and that sort of thing. Um, but uh, for someone that that portrays himself as being so educated, for him to back Kyrie Irving as he did, I stopped following him at that at that point. When I listened to him back in the eighties, I didn't know a whole lot, you know, so I didn't the whole thing with minister Farrakhan didn't stick with me, but as I've gotten older, I've had a little bit of a problem with it. Okay. Uh, sure. But then, but then with the whole Kyrie Irving that he did just recently, it made it even worse. Cause you're supposed to just someone that people look at as a God in the, in the hip hop community. And that, and his whole thing is that he's really educated and you're going to have all these people listening to you and you're supporting Kyrie Irving and backing him for sharing an anti-Semitic uh, trope about a, this particular movie. What, what, how did he support him? Like specifically on the anti Semitic stuff, or just, you know, well, it was, it was, got to say, both actually. So, well, one was he said that, you know, uh, you know, you need to go and educate yourself. You know, you're only hearing one side that this this movie's really awful. And the other side of it is that he supported Kyrie Irving saying, you know, well, what about free speech? And, and, and he can't do that on a social media. And apparently Chuck doesn't understand that the First Amendment only protects free speech from the government infringing upon your free speech, not your employer. Your employer can tell you all effing day long, you know, you can't say that and you can't represent or misrepresent our brand yeah. by bringing that sort of thing to us. But he it's didn't understand classic, You've got the right to say it, but you've also got the right to suffer the consequences if your employer, if your sponsors, if your fans <laughs> reject you for it. Yeah, ex- exactly. But th- that was that was really disappointing. It's one thing to see uneducated uh, younger people m- making that mistake when somebody who's uh, but but at least somebody that that's at least at least five or six years older than me. So mid fifties, 
Is he now also pro nine one one? Not being a joke in your town anymore. <laughs> <laughs> How far has he fallen from <laughs> yesteryears? Listen, I mean, anytime people start spouting stupid things, I'm always surprised how many people either don't speak out against it or decide that, you know, they're going to join in on it. And yeah, we're seeing a lot of this in Twitter. And Elon Musk, by the way, is behind some of it. I mean, he came out yeah. from the Pelosi attack last week and, and skewed yeah. one of the conspiracy theories. And then he deleted it, but I never saw him, you know, actually retract it or say like, oops, my bad. Yeah, well, that's just, incredibly, again, incredibly dangerous. You have somebody like Elon Musk with all that money and uh, everything else. If he's going to hop on this wagon of hate speech and just lies rhetoric. I mean, this country, dude, this country is on a, at a tipping point for sure, which is why we're all so worried about uh, this this voting cycle and our democracy and where it's going to go and who's in charge Yes. Very, very dangerous place. I have a trans friend who posted it on Facebook. Um, and you know what? He and I have gone back and forth a little bit over the last four years. Uh, obviously, his life is so affected by everything that's happening more now than ever. Yes. He's married and, uh, you know, that could be going away. Uh, trans rights just in general are awful. You know, yes, so, and you got a lot of politicians making these guys targets, basically by completely, yeah, yeah. Know, uh, falsehoods. This kitty litter in school story that kids that aren't you know gender assigned are using kitty litters. Which we have people in false. our school using cat boxes. Like this well, is just one step too far. Like, are you well, fucking kidding me, dude? And Joe Rogan actually admitted, you know, I didn't. I knew that that wasn't real. Somebody told me about it. It sounded funny. So, so, he, but he repeated it as if he knew that it was truth and therein and lies the problem dude yeah. therein lies the problem because hold on to that and and no one hears the, or most people don't hear the retract right, right. they just yeah. hear the original headline and oh i love joe rogan he he knows what's going on you know like it's fucking dangerous right or if he's making a joke about it maybe there's some truth in there somewhere i've sure. got an article here that's uh that basically is asking the question of like why do people believe lies and conspiracy theories and I'll just read the first part of it here. Uh, it's been an election cycle packed with misinformation and conspiracy theories. So why do so many people believe the lies? Blame your brain. Many of the decisions we make as individuals and as a society depend on accurate information. However, our uh, psychological bias uh, predispositions us to falsehoods. As a result, misinformation is more likely to be believed, remembered, and later recalled, even if you learn it's false. Uh, why? Because the brain hears something out of the ordinary. It's just crazy. So you attach on to it. Uh, let's see. We use mental shortcuts to make uh, many of our judgments, which benefits us. But our cognitive tendencies can make us susceptible to misinformation uh, if we are not careful. Uh, quote, by default, people will believe anything they see or hear, says this professor, a cognitive psychologist at the University of Bristol. Uh, at the same time, the more we see something repeated, the more likely we are to believe that it must be true. It's called the illusionary truth effect. 
it's the old truth in advertising thing. It's why, you know, years ago we were all required to say truthful things in advertising because we realized if you repeat things over and over, it just settles into certain people. Yeah. And if you say something on the radio, it's the, the War of the Worlds. Remember that old radio show? Yeah. Where, you know, they, it was a radio show about aliens invading, but people listening didn't understand it was a dramatization and they just heard it. So if you announce on the radio or TV or whatever that aliens are invading planet Earth, some percentage, whether it's 2% or 20%, will just believe it because they heard it on the radio. And, they and that one just happened to be a large percentage, dude. I mean, people were trampled. Uh, uh, like, it was yeah. uh, that was terrible. Yeah. It's the reason why so many young people in the 2016 election were saying, hey, Hillary Clinton's a liar. Like, where did you're 18, you're 20. Where did you get that from? Because mm. Fox News has been saying it for your entire life. Your parents have heard it. It's on in the living room and your parents are watching the TV and it just, it settles in. Because if you say a lie over and over, it starts to become truth. It's and not. Jo <laughs> Jordan Kepler... Way. Jordan Kepler is, does those things, you know, where he goes out to like the Trump rallies and stuff uh, yeah. like that. <laughs> he was doing one at one point that was like, uh, you know, you, do you feel like Hillary Clinton should be locked up for those emails? And, you know, of course, they're all like, yeah, lock her up. And he was like, uh, how would you feel uh, the same way if Donald Trump stole, you know, classified documents, lock them up? And they're like, oh, no, that's a little different. That's a little different. You know, it's not. It's not at all, dude. Nothing's different about it other than it's a much higher offense than uh, an email account, a private email account. And it's your guy. That's the other thing, yes. too, is that, that it's your guy. And it's, it's okay when your person does it, but maybe not when, when the other person does it. And why do we have that difference in politics, right? That I feel like most of the people I associate with and know uh, on the Democratic side, if uh, one of our people that serves us does something stupid or messed up that we have no problem being like, wow, you crossed a line and I'm not okay with that. Yeah. But on the other side of the coin, like why, why do they not denounce terrible things that are happening? They'll just keep going in deeper and deeper and deeper. They are well, desperate know to justify their ideology. So they try to make reality contort into it. And, you know, people asked me for years why Rush Limbaugh was so popular and why there's not a liberal version of Rush Limbaugh. And my argument was always that, you know, conservatives and people that are trying to believe their bullshit, they like to hear their bullshit articulated well back to them. And someone like a Rush Limbaugh articulated ignorance and hatred and misinformation very well. And it made them feel good to know, hey, this well-spoken guy on the radio is saying all my bullshit back to me. So they glom onto that. But liberals and centrists don't have that same desire to be preached to, uh, you know, as being part of the choir. Well, sure. you know, but they, they always say about politics, Democrats fall in love. Republicans fall in line. Hmm. So and, and no matter no matter what they're told, even if it doesn't seem quite right to them, to them, they fall in line and they do what they they, they don't even think the blinders are on. They just go and they do what they're told to do. Yeah. And, and that, that's how they vote. And that's how they stay. And, and they don't look left or right or anywhere else. It's just this is all I know. This is yeah. what I believe. And I'm not changing my mind. They can't look too deep because you start to realize it's like that article said, once you find out that something is a lie, um, A, your brain doesn't want to accept it. Uh, but B, it doesn't feel right anymore. And you want to feel good that Rush Limbaugh said it's okay to hate minorities or something like, you know, yeah. is, it, is it almost like in Wizard of Oz when, when they get the look behind the curtain? And yeah. then all of a sudden it's just all, it just blows it all to hell. And you're like, well, geez, I, 
This was all a lie. All what is it? my life? Where? What have, what have I been doing? What have yeah. I been doing? Yeah. Yeah. Is. They're sick in a way and they're desperate for the cure. If you had cancer and someone said, hey, listen, I read this article that said that if you eat bananas all day, it can cure cancer. A certain amount of people are just going to go, you know what? I'm going to try it out because I'm desperate to cure this cancer. And if sure. somebody said bananas will cure it, then that's what I'll do. And uh, as, yeah, as someone like who has as someone who has uh, uh, like a, uh, an autoimmune disease, uh, I remember when I first got diagnosed with it, dude, I was on the hunt for that cure. My father was on the hunt for that cure of, you know, like he'd call me and be like, uh, you know, Nick, I talked to a guy at the grocery store. His mom had MS. He started eating Altoids and and she lost it. You know, you got you should give it a try. Yeah. And I tried it. Give you a like, glimmer of hope. Yeah. Gives you a little glimmer of hope, dude, to just try something that may work. Yep. And yeah, that's the state of our politics, man. People are in fear, more so on the right, obviously. And if you offer them either a solution or a justification or something that makes them feel good about hating other human beings, they will glom onto it. And uh, that's what we're dealing with, misinformation on just epic levels. And people don't want to be told that it's that it's a lie. And they won't accept it if you do. The commercials, dude, the, like I was saying earlier, are just off the chain in Seattle anyway. We have uh, uh, somebody that is running against Patty Murray, who has uh, held the seat for 30 years here in Seattle. I will say that I think she's a good lady and has done some good things, but uh, I don't think she's perfect. If I had a better choice, uh, I would probably take it. But we're stuck in this whole situation again where it's either her or it's, you know, this lady's yeah. name, dude, I, I don't even like to say it, but it's uh, Tiffany Smiley is her name. Yeah. And it's the candidate Mitch McConnell is just throwing all kinds of money at because if they get Washington State here, right, it's going to help yeah. things big time. So he's just pouring money into this and people are eating it up, dude. People are eating it up. Yeah. And uh, I was at the Dave Matthews concert on uh, Friday. Uh, there, I don't know how, how many, uh, play, how many, uh, seats Brewski is roughly key arena, 20,000, 30,000. I, I would say between 18 and 21,000. Okay. Uh, stadium packed full Dave goes on stage. And at one point in time during the concert, he said, Hey, I just want to remind you guys all to vote. And, you know, being a resident of Seattle, Patty Murray's become a good friend of mine. So, you know, if you're going to vote for Patty Murray, get out there and do it. And if you're yeah. not, well, then just don't, you know, so <laughs> did he a get a portion food? of this? Yeah, a good portion of the stadium was like, yeah, dude, I heard all kinds of booze and we're at a Dave concert. Dude. Right. This is should be lefty liberals, yeah. lefty liberals <laughs> in this crowd. And uh, as soon as I heart, start hearing some booze, I kind of look around because I want to know where my enemies are. Right. Yeah. Uh, I start hearing chanting. Tiffany Smiley, wow. Tiffany. I was like, are you fucking kidding me, dude? Wow. That's I guarantee we'll see was, what happens. I guarantee it was tech bros. Say again. <laughs> I guarantee it was tech bros. Oh, the, yeah. bro, the programmers who ruined Capitol Hill uh, yes. are, are the ones that, that are now the, the new face of the Republican Party because they, they, they all don't want to pay any taxes and they want to keep all their money in their pocket. Yeah. And, they, and they all start supporting Elon Musk who, by the way, today uh, tweeted out a uh, a Nazi picture. In case you haven't seen it, I haven't. No, right I haven't seen that. I yeah, it's actually it, it's actually yeah. Uh, uh, can you see this at all? Yeah, get a little closer. Can you see that? 
That's a Nazi soldier w- with a backpack with homing pigeons on the back. And, and it says three unread messages. Elon oh. Musk posted, p- tweeted out. Uh, this is the owner of Twitter tweeted that out today. Man, where, that is where, unbelievable, uh, dude. Where is your uh, where where is your responsibility? You bought this company, right? It's all fun and games. You have a very big responsibility now. Yeah, you do. Sorry. He should either pipe down or be a little more conscious. Well, and by it, the way, just don't, like we talked about with Kanye, don't align yourself with Nazis in any way, shape, or form. Talking points, memes, anything. You're on the wrong foot as soon as you do it. Well, My father of- came from Germany, moved here in World War II. Family was Nazis. Had to be. Didn't have a choice, right? In, in World War II. What, your uh, father? What are you talking about? My father. Okay. My father came from Germany at the end of World War Two. His his father, who he didn't really get to know because he died in the war, was a Nazi. And there wasn't a choice. You didn't have a choice, right, to be a Nazi or not. You had to be a Nazi. So he comes over here and doesn't speak any English, you know, goes right into public schools. And people used to chase him home every day get the Nazi, get the Nazi. And he had a very, very tough first six or seven years here. He wouldn't talk that much about what happened in Germany around that whole war. When I'm in high school, fast forward, I have my skateboard sitting out on the front porch of our house. And on the grip tape, I had made a swastika and I did to be real honest with you. I'm a freshman in high school. I didn't really I understood, but I didn't really understand what it represented and and how terrible it was. I'll never forget that lesson from my father, dude, came out, smacked me in the head. And he was like, what is this shit? I was like, it's my skateboard, (laughs) you know, and I'm a punk at this point. It's like, yeah, what's on it? I was like, just we just drew on the skateboard. (laughs) You know, I didn't want to say it out loud, but uh, it's crazy. How many people in 2022 are posting pictures? Elon Musk, you're posting pictures like that? Well, and this is what I was talking about earlier, where you get some young kids who just want to be rebel rousers and they think something's shocking or whatever. It sounds like what you were doing. I I don't know that I ever heard the story. Your great, your grandfather was a Nazi. And oh, you yeah. Lost on your skateboard. Boy, no one edit this show out of context. This is going to sound very bad. Nick's trying to say none of this is good. <laughs> no, it's terrible, dude. Uh, but yeah, no, my dad, you know, the only thing my dad, my dad talked to me about some things that are for him and I. But I sure. will tell you and this. I'm glad story. your dad smacked some sense to you, by the way. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm not I advocating was... any of your kids, but, you know, metaphorically, I'm glad he smacked sense to you. I'm glad that he smacked me physically, dude, because it woke me up to see the pain behind somebody. To me, it was just a little drawing to him. You know, it evoked all the shit he went through. Yeah, sure. So I'm glad that he smacked me. But yeah, my uh, my dad did come over to this country and his dad was a Nazi, got killed in the war. His my dad's mom was a nurse in the war for the Nazi party ended up meeting an American soldier and they got married and they brought my mom or my dad and his sister over here and they were able to grow up in America. Hmm. Yeah. It's uh, we should get into all of that sometime because it's pretty crazy story. 
it's this whole ancestry thing. You just don't know what's in your family tree exactly. And uh, but no, yeah. that's interesting. And I'm uh, I have German heritage in me, and I don't I don't know if I want to know the answer. You know? Yeah, like it was. I'm not after- proud of the German side. I usually say I'm Scottish, you know, because that's the mix apparently. <laughs> My dad would obviously like shy away from all that shit because there's I'm sure there's guilt associated with it. Right. That my dad was a Nazi. That's not an easy thing to say or even to process. Right. right. But when he died, when my dad died, uh, I'm going through all his stuff and deep in the attic, he had a box of stuff that was from Germany that his mom had given him. And I don't even think the box had been opened in years. But at the bottom of the box, I find uh, a photo album that's, you know, just I I don't know. It's a foot long and about six inches wide. And there's just all these pictures. And I'm looking at it a little bit sentimentally because my father had just passed. And I'm looking at it and I realize all these pictures are of his dad's Nazi funeral. And it was so fucking weird. Like, I didn't want to touch it. But at the same time, I was like, this is a part of history. And, you know, we got to look at it and feel it to not repeat it. So I looked through it all and it did. It skeeved me out. I didn't know whether to keep it or not. Yeah, sure. By the way, I did. I mean, I kept it. I, I don't know what to do with it, to be honest with you. Well, you know, on that story there, my my ex her grandfather was in the army in World War II, and he served in Europe. And while he was in Germany, he ended up making friends with some locals, and they did s- small jobs for some of the soldiers and that sort of thing. Yeah. <clears throat> and um, one of them gave him this book of photographs, and these were not like a like a book you would buy in a store. This was a scrapbook, like like you're talking about, Nick. Yep. And um, in this book, this these were all photographs that someone had taken standing very close to um, Adolf Hitler. And wow. it was uh, it was it was all Nazis and all Hitler stuff. And I know about this because her grandfather took that that book out and showed it to me during one visit when we went down to visit them um, in California. And I'm looking at this and I can't believe it. This is crazy. And then what happened was her grandmother came in and she says, oh, you're showing him that thing. And I, and from what he told me, he said that some local um, Jewish groups wanted that book of photographs because they wanted to use it to put in a, a display and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But he wouldn't give it to them. They even offered him like ungodly sums of money. He wouldn't he wouldn't give it give it to them at all and all that sort of thing. And then I won't even tell you the kind of garbage he was saying after that. But I, he, the man is like at this point, like 80 something years old. And I'm not going to yell at him and tell him, you know, you're wrong about this. And, and sure. we're thinking about that. But he was also of German heritage. He grew up in Brooklyn. And then he says, you know, what can I say? I was a crowd. And I'm, and I, but then I, co- I corrected him. I said, no, you were an American fighting against the Germans. And it's like, but these are my people. I'm like, no, your people were the people who wore the uniform with you in, in Europe right. who died. Yeah. And um, so he started getting all bent out of shape. And that's when things got a little uncomfortable. And my um, my uh, my ex kind of ran over real quick and sat on his lap. And, and, as, and all of a sudden, now he focused on his granddaughter and he forgot about the entire thing. But I'll never forget seeing that 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 scrapbook of photographs. And just being completely blown away by the whole thing. When you can see in person those scrapbooks, I mean, it really cements into your mind that 
while we think of this as history, like it's not that long ago, dude, it's not that long ago that everything went down 70 years. It's repeating itself right now. Yeah. You always, uh, everyone always wonders how did Nazis take over in Germany? How did people allow that? How did they not see it going on? And, uh, they went through the same process back then that we are. It's a combination of misinformation, appealing to your bigotries that you will vote for, uh, that, uh, you know, you won't admit that's why you're voting, but it really is. And right. economic issues. Yeah. Yeah. Economic issues and splitting tickets. You know, Hitler, uh, it's my historical understanding. His first election was a, you know, was a multi-party thing and he ended up getting the most, not the majority, but he got the most. And, uh, you know, we're seeing a lot of that right now where tickets get split and somehow Trump doesn't get the majority of votes in the country, but still won the White House because of the Electoral College and the way we break sure. it up. And so, yeah, I mean, it's it's the old, uh, you know, those that are ignorant to history are doomed to repeat it. And we're yeah. doing a big chunk of that right now. So, yeah. Geez, my great uncle was Bozo the Clown, and I thought I should be uh, embarrassed of that. <laughs> no way. <laughs> Don't be embarrassed of that, dude. That's awesome. I showed but my you know, son a picture of my uh, great great uncle Bozo the Clown, and it looks like you know it looks like Pennywise from from it. It scared the crap out of him. <laughs> oh, I'm sure it did, dude. Uh, did you let him know that I once had uh, anal with uh, a clown <laughs> called uh, <laughs> JP Patches? You had anal. Did you get anal? Did you give anal? What do you mean? I what? gave anal. Uh, oh, oh no, I got I got anal, didn't I, Brewski? Did you see the picture? Yeah. I don't you think I have. Anal? All right, I'm at uh, JP Patches was a huge yeah, town in the, in, in the Northwest for the I, audience. That's yeah, not I know who, from I know Seattle. Who it is, yeah. uh, so he's at, I'm doing a radio remote. I think I was like at a car lot or something like that. They hired <laughs> JP Patches to come. Oh, no, I was we were at a dance or something for an oldies dance, but it doesn't matter. JP Patches was there. And oh, no. all these older people that we worked with at that radio station was like, ah, patches, you know, like they love this guy. So uh, I had him take a picture with me where he <laughs> looks like he's given it to me from behind. <laughs> yeah. And it's one of the tell him, like, give me the Heimlich or something like pretend that's what I, you're doing. I told him to give me the Heimlich, dude. And oh, I think Nick. I said hind lick, but uh, he, you know, he got behind me. And oh, Nickers, Nickers. Oh, Nickers, Nickers. Snicker. Snicker. You should probably find that picture now. We could we could put it on our page or something. So yeah, I will. About, but yeah, Nick getting uh, yeah, forcefully taken from behind by a famous clown. So, well, you know, um, Eric, Eric the clown. Remember Eric the clown? He didn't know who Bozo was. I don't remember Eric the Clown. Oh, no, from Seinfeld, when George loses his mind, and it's and it's John Favreau oh, yeah, yeah. playing the part of Eric the Clown. He's like, well, what? What's he? Some sort of clown? He's like, yes, he's a clown. There are millions <laughs> of clowns, man. You're stuck on a clown from the '60s. Right? Yeah. No, that was a classic. So. Uh, the clown about nothing. Well, that's yeah. the deal. Well, that's the deal. Bozo the clown. He looks like a serial killer. <laughs> What's it with serial killers? They never give me cereal. <laughs> Full of cornflakes, not too much milk. <laughs> yes. Well, this has been an interesting uh, deep dive into our family history. Clowns, Nazis. Uh, we found out Brewski's got a yeah. story he never knew about. I don't know if we should be looking in our gene pool or not. It's starting to make Ooh. me a little uncomfortable. So. I think some people have been peeing in the gene pool. No, clearly, based on again. Hey, dude, what happened with your son, Brewski? Didn't something recently happen with your son? Oh, yeah. He happened to be in um, Lincoln, Nebraska over the weekend. And Uh, uh, yeah, so he was there for the Minnesota Gold. 
Golden Gophers, uh, Nebraska Cornhuskers game. And he happened to be going by this bar called Brewski's. And he took pictures <laughs> of the sign outside and sent it to me. He texted it to me. And this was a Saturday night. Um, was it Saturday night? Yeah, it was Saturday I think night. So, yeah. No, it was Friday night before the game, actually. Friday night before okay. the game because they had just gotten into town and they were out walking around and, and kind of taking a look. Brewski, so. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's cool. Pretty awesome. It was a nice looking sign, too, dude. You should uh, try and get that sign. It was beautiful old <laughs> old sign. Yeah. You oh, he, he, go visit. He went in with a few of the players and a cu- couple of the coaches and they went to have some drinks. And I guess they had dueling pianos in there, too. Which, you know, yeah, whatever. And again, you know, we were talking earlier about the analytics map, and I can see the areas that are turning orange because people are downloading a lot there. Minneapolis-St. Paul is turning orange. And that's, <laughs> that's your son right there. That's and your son doing it friend, Because there's multiple dots popping up in that area. So he's got to be spreading the word to some of the players or something. Uh, yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm hoping he is, actually, because uh, that, that, that'd really be really great. We get the, the Golden Gophers listening to us on, on the daily, you know, yeah, on yeah. the weekly, I mean. And I think we're helping you guys bond because he's learning a lot about you from this program because they're listening <laughs> to all of it. So we're saving yeah. you guys, you know, having to talk about it all. So, hey, Harness, can you turn my uh, screen share on? I'll show you this JP Patches picture. <laughs> uh, screen share. Uh, okay. I think I did it. Try. Ah, uh, yes. Okay. Come on. I share love that you just have one. the picture standing by. Can you see? <laughs> oh, see, no, you're violating him. He's not. Yeah, violating. you're yes. violating him. Yeah. yeah, I thought that was the case, but I couldn't remember. It's been a while since I've seen it, but yeah, <laughs> that is a classic. Yeah, definitely. Uh, send it to me. We'll we'll send it out. But yeah, for those of you watching on YouTube or whatever, there you go. Oh, Nick, uh, Nick violating a clown. <laughs> uh, your childhood hero. How how dare you? <laughs> Got him from behind, dude. Yeah. Well, you know, good. I gotta, I gotta say, it, it seems it would be really, really hot to to nail a clown chick, like full makeup and everything, just just naked, but wearing full makeup. Wow. I think I. Oh God, yeah, that's that's hot. Really? Does that really oh, do it for you, huh? Yes, it does. Really? Well, you're not joking right now. No, no, no. And part of that is because I knew a contortionist who was um, uh, uh, part of some uh, circus troupe in Seattle when I lived there and she was really sexy. And sometimes she would do her contortionist act where she would wear makeup, like clown makeup and that sort of thing. (laughs) Or she, she felt these sexy pictures of her like bending her body in all sorts of directions with the clown makeup. It did it for me. Wow. Still does. Just thinking back about it. Oh my yeah, god! The yeah. contortionist side, I can obviously understand. But if it was just a female clown, no contorting, just the makeup and crazy hair, that's the yes, drama? yes, absolutely. <laughs> really? That's interesting, dude. I, I wonder what your other picadillos are. Uh, uh, I mean, you do you? What's your number one? If you could have one scene that happens tomorrow, like what? What would you pick, Bruski? Well, you know, I, mm. I've always had this thing for older women, which doesn't sound all that odd, which describe which, which, uh, we're, which ex- we're older now. How much older well, are you talking? Like granny? Well, well, well it depends. You know, so, some, yeah. but way back in my oh, 20s, no, no, I had, no. yeah, what I had a thing about gray haired uh, Sagan boobies. Like how old? Are oh, you? no, 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 no. Like, you know, you know how there are some hot older chicks that are just like 
Yes, I'm trying to date them right now. So yes. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Now, what I mean, I'm sixties, seventies. What? No, now, 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 my, now, my, my cutoff would be like nine years older than me, so sixty. That that would be my okay. my cutoff now. But back, say, you're in your fifties, so yeah. yeah. Back in my twenties, um, yeah. I actually when I lived in Seattle, and this would have been, was that 2001? Yeah, 2001. So at the time, I was 30 years old. Uh, I was hooking up with uh, this chick who was 65 at the time. Wow. Nice. Yeah. That's a good one. I mean, uh, Steve is not, uh, not, he, he, what was, how old were you? 21, 20? I, I was 19 18? and I was banging a 35 year old. Nice. Yeah. So that was, yeah. I mean, that was pretty good, right? Uh, I thought it was phenomenal. I mean, we were both in the sexual peaks of our lives. Men peak around 1920 and women in their mid thirties. And I just find it so humorous that back then 35 seemed so old to me <laughs> right now. Like I'm debating is 35 too young for me <laughs> to be dating. So same here. What yeah. do you mean? We're at the men are at the sexual peak of their lives at 19. That's what they say that men peak. Is that the truth? In, yeah. Around 1920 and women peak sexually in their mid thirties. Wow. So she and I were peaking at the same time. Now, I feel like I've redefined that. I am way more sexually uh, invigorated and everything else right now at 46 than I was in 19. But well, but the, an other, anomaly. the other thing, though, too, is that for men, as far as procreation between 19 and 25, those are your actual prime years. Um, and as far as potency and all you got to do is like kind of breathe the wrong way on a fertile myrtle. And next thing you know, what you got a pregnancy situation going on, you know? Mm, yeah. 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 You've been there, Bruski. Come on. Yeah. I've been there. I have an article that talks about the, uh, the quote unquote benefits of not masturbating. Oh, would you like to hear? Are there any? Well, that was my question of like, a, why would you even do this experiment to find out if there are, but what could they be? And I started skimming this article and I just thought, like, this is full of shit. <laughs> <laughs> gotta be. I refuse to accept the uh, what it's they're It's gotta saying. be released by a church or something like right? that. Uh, I found this on the Huffington Post, but it's on some website called IFL Science. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> and his man explains why giving up masturbation was, quote, the best decision of his life. <laughs> but are there really any benefits? The article asks. So. Uh, let's see here. Uh, people in this group tend to take on challenges where uh, they don't masturbate for a certain period of time, then report back to the group with how it's going. One quote success story from this group was posted last month and received a surprising amount of attention in the media. Uh, quote, uh, today marks day 90, this man says. I had no idea that I was three months in because I didn't check my streak often, maybe once every one to two weeks, which I think was key in my abstinence. Uh, they said they felt a number of health benefits here. This guy says, quote, during these 90 days, I've experienced more energy. My brain stops sexualizing normal things and my brain fog is basically gone. I found it easier to socialize, to start conversations. And I've also experienced a huge energy boost in the gym and have seen tremendous progress during these three months working out. Now, he says even some people may call this a placebo, and even if it's just a placebo effect, all these success stories have actually helped with other uh, people's mental health. Well, then tie it to blowing your nose, dude, if it's just a placebo effect. I mean, why are you going to give up masturbation to well, have a better conversation? Be. He doesn't know. He's it saying, is, you know, obviously, dude. And can you imagine the superhuman that I would be if I stopped masturbating? 
you know, hey, if I, all I, that was true. Right. Yeah. If that was true. I mean, all three of us, dude, uh, wonder, wearing capes. Now, you know, you guys have been giving me a little grief because I've been sort of sexualizing everything of late, and uh, I'm definitely uh, all wound up and pent up. But um, oh. I think that it's if you just stopped, I, I don't know if it's a placebo effect or not, but if you just stop, if you stop tapping into that sexual part of your brain chemistry, maybe you do sexualize things less. But is that a good thing? Like sexuality is supposed to be a good, healthy thing. You're, you know. I think it's good to look at a beautiful woman and have uh, beautiful thoughts about what. Yeah, of course like. you do. I don't want to cut <laughs> off that you know part of my brain because yeah, if you starve it, I assume it would probably die. But is that a good thing? I don't think so. Uh, what is it called, you guys, when uh, uh, somebody is okay being in a relationship, but they're just not sexually attracted to people? What is it called? Well, asexual or asexual or yeah asexual we've learned there's 20 yeah. terms right now that seem to basically say the same thing one of the guys um that i know is asexual uh interested in say again by choice or yes did it come that way and now he's justified it by calling it that that's what that was my question too thank right. you steve yeah. uh no by choice just, uh, you know, I don't know if it's somebody, some people are just built a little differently and they can still. So if you're asexual, you could still have relationships where you love someone, but it, it, that love is shown through different ways yeah. uh, that doesn't include sexual contact. Right. Uh, that's that's where they're at. Um, no, I would say no. Shoot me now. <laughs> Listen, if I cut off my right hand, will I become left-handed? Yeah, I suppose I would. <laughs> but that doesn't mean you should go cut your right hand off. Well, that's the thing. So, well, Brewski, you can answer this for us. Sure. Have you lost any desire at all to want to go have sex with a woman since it's been a while? No, not at all. If anything, it's it's been it's been increased actually. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, I'm try I'm driving, you know. 10, 12 hours a day. And I see women all the time Where the women in my car. I have to keep a professional, obviously, but on the street, I'm yeah. like, Oh, look. And, and if I'm alone in the car, you know, you'd be surprised. Some of the things I, I must, that must come out of my mouth while I'm driving. When I see, <laughs> when I see attractive women, you know, yeah, sure. Like, well, that's know, interesting. So it hasn't sexualized you. No, you're, you're on a multi-year drought of actual heart uh, of actual penetration sex, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah, but you still feel just as into sex as you were before. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Well, there are theories gone with, you know, with that. He, he, I, this is the deal, dude. This guy, this guy's a nice guy. I like him a whole bunch. And uh, Ruski yeah. or the guy masturbating in the yard <laughs> or not masturbating? No, the asexual buddy of mine. Oh, that oh guy okay. Guy. Yeah. He's a nice guy. I have not had the. I have not had the opportunity to really sit down and, and delve into this conversation, which I will do at some point in time because I'm fascinated by it. I want to know more about it. He moved to Seattle from another state, doesn't have uh, family and stuff like that out here. Got a job working for Amazon. He's a tech. He's a tech bro, but he's a liberal tech bro. But he uh, just didn't ever start dating when he moved out here. And I was like, I would ask him once in a while, like, uh, Hey, you know, how's the lady situation going? Have you met anyone or the guy situation? Cause I didn't know if he was gay or straight or what. 
And uh, maybe uh, a year and a half, two years ago, told me uh, I'm asexual. I have no interest. And I was like, huh, that is something that my brain knows very little about. But I haven't ever talked to him really about it. I was going to say, I just question how valid that is. It's like, got to be you, somewhat if, valid. Are you wrapping your head around it? Just like, I haven't got laid in a while. I'm not interested. Like, I'm just, I'm asexual. I th- I, that's what I'm going to deem myself. Does that help well, you rationalize well, that- it? Well, for some mm-hmm. for some people, especially it seems I've seen it for women uh, on the on the side on the side of things. Nick's talking about a male, obviously, but for women, they they just like you know what I don't enjoy sex. They're like you know what? Okay, yeah, you penetrate me, and you know you do your thing, and then I really don't get and a lot out of it. With me, baby, I'll teach you no, a little bit. Uh, but uh, but but the Steve's getting mind, horny by the conversation. <laughs> but the but the other side of it is is that they're just kind of like. I've never really enjoyed doing this or doing that. Like they'll mention certain things. I'm um, telling you, a lot of that is the partners they've been with. Well, I, have, yeah. I have talked to so many women that describe how terrible so many of you men are in bed, that you've jaded these poor women. You give them a little attention, do some technique right, and their mind is blown. Like, this is what I've been missing out on? I've just been with lousy men is what they've determined. Well, uh, Steve, you and I have both had girlfriends that had uh, – past trauma in their lives that changed them uh, i mean that changed them so much sexually the ultimate bad experience yes yeah Yeah. so i mean there's all these different things that could make you become asexual i'm assuming but then there's also people with a different brain chemistry i suppose or they don't have the chemicals and everything else that they need the testosterone whatever i totally agree with that and i'm not trying to dismiss anyone who is that way because everyone's brains are wired differently and i've also noticed when it comes to sex between the three of us between women i've been with between you know years of doing talk radio yeah everyone's definitely wired differently and that's why there's so many kinks out there some of which you know we hear about and we're disgusted by but other people are truly turned on by it so that does come down to chemistry yeah. And I would also question your buddy, you know, who says he's asexual. Like, if you asked a priest, they would probably say they're asexual. But a lot of priests, because they scrunch all that down deep inside, they end up acting out in terrible ways, as we're well aware with choir boys or whatever it is, that they would never tell you. Like, I'm asexual, and I also like to molest children because I'm so, I've, I've repressed all this so far. Yeah. So some people, I'm sure, truly are asexual. Some, I think, have convinced themselves. Sure. Whether it's society or their job or whatever. And those yeah. are the ones I worry about because you squish that down. How does it come out? You got to masturbate, dude. Yeah. Well, that's how yeah. it comes out. You don't I have to be up. with a man or a woman. You just need to be with Rosie and her five sisters or brothers. I guess. I guess. <sighs> you know, if you can't love yourself, who, who can you love, right? Let me, let me ask you this, Steve. Suicide girl. When it comes to kinks <laughs> and being asexual, and stuff like this let's go into what you're going through right now being somewhat newly single uh and haven't found anyone to hook up with or haven't felt the need to hook up with someone enough to go actually do it uh are you into say again i said or so you think (laughs) (laughs) well yeah maybe he's quiet finish your thought finish your thought uh Are you into the whole service of cuddlers? I I know that you would begin to long for human touch. And I know that about you, that I think I think you need that as a person. I think most of us do. Mm, Would you be into the service of a cuddler? Could you leave it at just cuddling and having human touch without sex? 
Uh, listen, I mean, like somebody starving on a desert island, if all you have to offer me is a cracker, I'll take it. But, okay. you know, I it's it's interesting that you bring up cuddling because a lot of guys might laugh at that notion. When I, In my marriage of 17 years, my ex-wife was not a cuddler. Yeah. And when really? I... No, no, she really didn't like it, and I wow. and I did, um, but I never got it. I, I went, yeah, you know, I was starved of it for years and years and years. And when the first woman I dated after I got divorced, the uh, the crazy stalker up on the North Shore, yeah, we were about a month into it, and she brought up the topic of cuddling, and she said, "You don't like cuddling, you crave it." Huh. And I was like, "You're right, like I do, like I, I've gone without it for so many years that just the thought of." of holding someone's hand or just lying in bed and just having that human contact. Like, I really do crave it. It's not all I want or need, but, you know, yeah, if, if that's all I had right now. What yeah. are you talking about, though? Is there cuddling hookers out there? That <clears> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there I'm, are. I'm I mean, it's it. it's it's almost a it's almost a place of therapy. I guess it's looked at more as that than a sexual thing because there is no sexual stuff. Uh, I've looked at some of these online, these services that women offer, and there's probably men who do it, too. But it's just a cuddling service. There's like rules set up that you have to agree to before <laughs> the whole session. And it'll be, you know, like, let's, you know, lay on a bed for 45 minutes and we can talk and stuff like that. But we're going to be cuddling and kind of touching each other. Uh, and they say that when they set the rules up, they're like, you know, listen, I know that we're human. If you should get erect while we're doing this, like, I'm not going to say anything like that's just human. Mm -hmm. But nothing happens here. And you need to know that, you know, and it's just a cuddling session. You go pay for it. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, you know, I've never cuddled with somebody who I'm not going to bone at some point, so I guess I, I can't truly answer that question because part of me would think after cuddling for a half hour, I'm going to probably want more. But Well, but yeah, you think no, about just, even as a dad of young children, dude. I mean, there were times that you cuddled up with your kids on the couch watching a movie or something like that. You know, there still is a... No. A, that's different. You, what do you mean, no? Yeah. I don't know if that's weird or not, but that same crazy woman on the North Shore, she brought up like... You know, someday when I meet your kids, like we could all be watching a movie on the couch, we could all kind of cuddle together. And I was like, my kids and I don't cuddle. We never have. And I don't, uh, I don't know where that started from, but that was that seems odd to me. And I've never, I've never done that. I mean, maybe listen, when they're sick in bed and like you know, fever or something. You kind of yeah, you know, cuddle or you know, stroke their head to try to keep them calm or something. But no, I've never cuddled with my kids, and I'm not admonishing those that do. But that's not a thing I've done. Sure. That's interesting to me. Uh, I, you know, obviously I don't have kids, but like uh, my nephew, Coden, when he was a baby, we used to, you know, watch Toy Story all the time. And he'd start to get tired after a little while and he'd come and just kind of lay his head on my chest while we're watching the movie and stuff mm -hmm. like that. And I guess that's what I mean by cuddling. Yeah. But, uh, it does seem sexual to me. So maybe that's why I've just always had that barrier. Yeah, maybe and you so. want to, you know, in my therapy, you know, nowadays we uh, we always talk about when's the first time you experience these feelings, whatever the feeling is, happiness, anger, sadness. You know, sure. you try to see how far back in your life you can remember something. And I've been so amazed at how many things trace back to my childhood from uh, from a variety of topics. But but on this one, I can remember being in, I think it was the second grade, maybe first grade. But it was one of those, like, you're sitting on the rug doing story time, like, you know, kids are, you know, off in the one corner and just doing their own activities. There was this girl, um, someone was reading a book to us, and she sat next to me, and she put her head on my shoulder. 
And it was a magical feeling. Like I could not believe that another human was contacting me that way. And it was of a girl. just a feeling of love. You mean? Yeah. Like I'd even, I couldn't describe it at that stage of life. Like, sure. but now looking back, like, yes, like <clears throat> that cemented something in my brain about just human contact to, you know, cuddling, having a woman, you know, put her head on your shoulder and couldn't compute it at the time. But my brain has clearly latched onto it and has never forgotten it. They always say that you'll become an addict if you can remember the first time you got high. I remember the first time I got stoned easily. And I do never too. really stopped. I don't Me remember too. the first time I got drunk, you know, and I don't have an issue with drinking. Um, but yeah, it's a similar thing with cuddling, I guess. Like, I distinctly remember what that felt like as a small child. And now here as a 46-year-old man, yeah, I, I crave that kind of human contact. Yeah, that's interesting, dude. Uh, I don't remember, uh, as I listened to Rachel talk about a lot of her childhood. By the way, Rachel's not a cuddler either. I mean, it's not like we won't lay in bed with an arm over each other or something like that, but like spooning, cuddling, like <clears throat> maybe she could do it for a minute or two, but yeah. then she wants, you know, to be let loose of the lion. Yeah. Uh, and, and I'm fine with that, but it's funny how much stuff that she can remember from her childhood as she had a childhood of more trauma than I did, for sure. Uh, and I can't I can't remember a lot from my childhood like you with the girl laying her head on your shoulder. I have a few of those memories that like really stick out for me. But as a whole, I have very few memories of uh, before junior high. Well, like maybe oh. sixth grade, I started. I, if I think now, I can think back to like uh, some things that happened in fifth, sixth grade, maybe fourth. Prior to that, I don't have a whole lot of memories, to be honest with you. It's interesting. I wonder if you worked with a therapist and if you started tracing some things back. Like, I wonder if you'd start to remember some of those things or if they're maybe. truly blocked out. And See, I don't know what the normal range is. Some people block stuff for traumatic reasons. Some I just well, don't know when memories really start forming. You know, I, I remember quite a bit about my childhood and my sister is always um, amazed at not just things I remember, but the level of detail that I remember hmm. um, things like, you know, a particular car my parents had and and things like that. Um, I mean, I can vividly remember um, being abused as a child. And physically abused by a babysitter. Mm. And uh, my sister, when I talked about it some years later, it brought back my sister, me bad memories for my sister, because my sister had to sit there and witness this physical abuse happening wow. uh, in, in that sort of thing. And I, I can't say I was totally okay with it, but I did better with it, handling it and understanding it than she did. And because she you hadn't repressed it, you mean? Yeah, yeah. For her, for her witnessing, watching me getting beaten, uh, you know, a couple times a week for almost a year, um, yeah. it just, it just, it really hit her. And it's, it's. So that's not a memory. No pun intended. <laughs> but um, <laughs> sorry. <Nice that's>, <laughs> wow. The door for me like that <laughs> you can't talk about somebody hitting you and then say it didn't hit her that way never mind go ahead yeah so so anyway so for her it, <laughs> it was a, it was a different a di 
it was a, a bad memory. And for me, it was sure. kind of, it was a bad memory. But it's amazing how you can remember some things going back. Both good no, but that and makes bad. sense, though. It was a traumatic event that should somewhat uh, etch in your brain. Oh, but but I mean, I can I can expl- I mean, I remember lots of stuff from for What's a second. What's your earliest memory of life? How 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 far back can you go? I know the answer for me. My earliest memory of life. Yeah, I was probably four. I can remember. And it was it was something it was a, a bad memory with my, my father's mother mm-hmm. and, and and me. Um, yeah, that's a whole other brewski thing entirely. Do you think <laughs> it stuck with you in a in a formative sort of way? Because mine did. Yeah, mine mine I think to this day I, I think I have I have issues with people not accepting me, but because of it. Mm-hmm. Because because I wasn't my father's natural child. My dad adopted me. Yeah. Right. She she accepted my sister, but not me. And I and it was see. and it was overt. Yeah. And well again and, though, this makes sense why it would stick in your brain, because it was formative. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Do you want to know my earliest memory? I mean, this yeah. is the polar opposite of what we're talking about here. But I can trace <laughs> it back. Uh, I'm holding up my Spider Man coffee mug right now. My my studio is riddled with Spider Man things. There's a uh, get on my own way. I got a Spider Man hanging on the wall back there. Uh, they're all over the studio. I can vividly remember watching the made-for-TV Spider-Man uh, TV movie that came out with my mom and my sister sitting in my mom's bedroom, and I looked it up. That movie came out on like CBS TV in 1979, so I was three years old. Wow. But I can remember watching the Spider-Man movie. And as everyone knows, Spider-Man is my my thing, my 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 collectible, my hobby. It's what everyone associates. See, your moral compass, dude. <laughs> it is. I mean, to a degree, right? Yeah, no, for sure. Great power, great responsibility, and uh, being the hero and all that kind of stuff. And sure, yeah, Spider-Man has been with me through my entire life up till right now. I can literally grab a dozen Spider-Man things around me. And uh, yeah, 1979. So I was three years old, and somehow I remember that. See, that's crazy. Rachel is the same way where she can remember uh, right around, she says, two and a half to three years old. Okay. My first memory that I can remember is uh, I would have been in kindergarten, dude. And I, like I said, I have that memory and it was something that's old, but it's the only memory. Like, uh, that's the only thing I could point at for my kindergarten year. I don't remember anything else but this one memory. I do a lot better with memories, too, of obviously if a song comes on, it'll bring a memory back for me. Uh, yeah. Sometimes like a smell, you know, if I, I can if I smell a pickup truck running, idling out in the driveway, like it takes me back for some reason. Smells, sounds, yeah. just stuff like that. Well, I, I, I can talk about yeah. like, I wonder if you dug a little <laughs> deeper, if you could uncover some more old memories, but. So Rachel does uh, EMDR therapy and she has remembered. Yeah. I mean, that's part of it for those of uh, you'll do a better job explaining what it is, Steve. So for those of you who do not know what EMDR is, what is it? Um, it's, I forget what the EMDR stands for. It's only about eye movement. It's a cognitive left, right brain thing. And, uh, basically it's tries to desensitize you to past traumas. And while you're reliving these thoughts, you have some sort of left, right thing happening. Usually it's tapping on one side of your body or the other. Uh, my therapist has these paddles that I hold, um, that tap for me because, uh, part of my other hobbies in life, you see a drum kit back here. When I first started EMDR and I was tapping on my legs, I could only concentrate on the beats per minute. 
Like I was so focused mm-hmm. on keeping the rhythm that I was distracted from the therapy. So she was like, stop tapping, use these paddles. They'll tap for you basically. But yeah, it's a right. form of desensitization therapy to past traumas using some sort of cognitive left-right separation of your brain. Google and it's it crazy, more. dude. I mean, uh, well, I'm sure that you know, but I mean, it's crazy to hear about some of the things that she's gone through in this therapy and how it really opens things up. I mean, it's it's eye-opening to tie a memory to maybe why you do some of the things that you do in life and why yes. you feel this way. Like, And also mentally exhausting. I mean, she's, and it almost yes. physically exhausts her after she's done with it, you know? Yeah. Um, well, yeah, listen, it's uh, it's somewhat new, but it's a widely accepted thing. And uh, it is tough. And it's <laughs> what I was talking about earlier as far as tracing some of these feelings back you know we we uncover it from a current trauma or recent trauma or adult life trauma but then we start to think like when was the first time you felt like that and it does almost always go way back in your childhood and it's things that unless she's sending me down that path i wouldn't be thinking about or i wouldn't have connected those dots right so, so do you uh, don't think that it's suggestive at all no, I think it's unlocking pathways in your brain where you start to think, all right, so I was, I felt scared. Well, when was the first time I felt that kind of fear? And then, yeah, you, you can go down that rabbit hole and trace it way back. And uh, EMDR, uh, I am a, a, a proponent of it. I believe in it, but uh, it is exhausting. And it is, uh, part of it is after you do it for the next about eight to 12 hours after the therapy session's over, your brain can't stop processing the stuff. And it can be tough. And recently in my own therapy, I've been getting into uh, the, the traumas that I went through this summer with being, you know, homeless and losing my whole family structure and all that stuff. And, uh, yeah, man, I walk out of there and uh, it, it, it haunts me for, uh, yeah, easily the next 8 to 12 hours. It's good work that yeah. needs to be done, but it, it's not easy to reopen those wounds. And part of it is walking through the path again. You know, you go back to that moment. You know, you pick a definitive moment from some traumatic event and you have to relive it. Sure. And part of that is trying to, like I said, you're desensitizing yourself to it. But yeah. obviously, if you're desensitizing, the first several rounds are going to be the worst because you're not desensitized at all. Sure. It's reliving those traumas. So, yeah, it sucks. It's interesting, dude, that you say <laughs> that, you know, maybe they would be able to get more out of me because Rachel's been, a, you know, I think that while it's hard. I think that it's working for things Mm -hmm. and she's recommended it to me. Like you should have it done because you don't remember a lot of your past. And it would be interesting to know if it was things that you have just completely blocked out or not. To be honest with you, dude, I'm not opposed to the process, but I'm also as somebody who came from a place that in my memory, I had such a great, protected childhood. I was a very fortunate person. Uh, I almost uh, am worried about opening up Pandora's box. If I was to learn about a life that I didn't think I had, (laughs) you know, that that would somewhat crush my soul. Yeah, there is, I think, that danger to some extent. But I will also, I, I, I chuckle to some extent when you say that, because I always thought that I had a normal, idyllic sort of childhood. And now I'm realizing that that is not true, that my family did have a lot of traumas going on and issues we were dealing with. And that because it was your life, you just feel it's normal or because it wasn't as bad as the neighbor or because I wasn't getting, you know, my father never like beat the shit out of me or something. I'm like, well, hey, we're not so bad then. But there's other stuff going on, other types of traumas and uh, unhealthy relationships and whatnot that, yeah, now I realize like I did kind of have some fucked up stuff happen in my life. Yeah. And that's interesting to me, dude, because I know that there's 
not that I didn't have any problems as a child, but, uh, you know, my problems were, I guess, built around a family. I grew up, I grew up pretty darn poor for quite a few years of yeah. my life. And that would and, be one thing right there, but it was normal to you. It was normal to me, but also, you know, like if you're going to be poor to have your family rally around you and Hey, we're going to make it through this. Like, that's what I mean by like solid or, you know, but there's going to be things that still affect me today. It affects me greatly of how poor I did grow up. And to the tune of knowing how much I actually need in life to get by and be happy. And it makes me think, you know, so many people are entitled bastards these days. Yes. So I know it affects me in so many different ways, but that same thing affects my sister so differently, dude, yeah. where she chases money. I will never be poor again. You know, and, and I'm not that way. I mean, I, I'm maybe it's because I'm not poor, but uh, she chases money in a hard and fast way. Yeah. Never wants to go back to that situation. And it did not affect me like that. So it'd be interesting yeah. to go do that therapy. No, and like you said, everything affects everyone differently. And it may affect you in ways you didn't realize. And some may be positive as far as valuing money and whatnot. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I was not poor growing up, but I was poor a lot in my 20s and 30s. I had, especially when we had kids, there were times where you know, uh, there's one more day till payday and we're down to 20 bucks. So I had a lot of days where I made sure the kids would eat and I would skip eating for a day and whatnot. And, right. and that definitely shaped me in, in some positive ways, um, some insecurities too. But, you know, my ex grew up with money and has had a good paying job her whole life. And I was telling her stories about that of, of, you know, being hungry and not knowing, you know, when you get to, you know, have your next meal. And it blew her mind. She had no no way to relate to that, no way to understand it. And it made her jaded and not in a good way. Like, you know, when I would pinch pennies and whatnot, she would, you know, kind of laugh at it. Like, let's, who cares if we go out and eat and it's 150 bucks? Like, like, no, I could eat ramen noodles for $6 for the whole family <laughs> or, right. you know, yeah. so it, it, you know, it can have good effects on you, bad effects. It's helped me save better and appreciate money more, but yes. This is the thing, whether it's sex, money, whatever it is, everything affects every brain differently. And yeah, I, uh, I'm a, I'm a believer in therapy. I've been in it almost my entire life on and off. And, um, you know, some therapists are better than others, but yeah, there's a lot going on in your head that you don't really realize. So. You ever done therapy, Brewski? Yeah. Yeah. Several, several times, actually. Any uh, of this EMDR stuff or no? Nothing like that. No, but just the usual sort of sitting down and, and speaking with a therapist and, and um, <clears throat> uh, when I was first with uh, with Jen, I was back in in therapy and um, it got to a point where I had to make sure that when I went to my when I went to the therapist, it was as late in the day as I possibly could get his last appointment of the day, because okay. if, if I went to a therapy appointment during the day, mm. then it really affected me going and trying, for the whole day yeah trying trying to get things done and, and that yeah. sort of thing you know yeah. and um and and even then you know uh, i would i would come home from there and i just have be there's nothing left you know yeah, yeah. and right and jen was a very loving person but she could only give so much 
because of how she was raised and her dad wasn't touchy feely and her mom was kind of, you know, here and there and that sort of thing. So I kind of was left to kind of really kind of process the rest of it myself uh, unless we sat down and we talked about it. But then now I'm reliving exactly what it is talked about with the therapist, not even two hours ago. Sure. You know, so it made things more difficult. Yeah. I'll tell you, you know, I, um, I, I made a joke when Brewski was telling his story about hitting and, uh, didn't get any laughs. So it was a bad joke. Sorry. Um, but we talked about this on the show last week that I feel that there's really no topic that we sh- should just say is forbidden. You should not be able to joke about now. There's a difference between joking in a, like, I'm trying to get a laugh way and joking to be an asshole or be insensitive or whatever. Sure. I read an article this week that I was trying to find, but it's on the New York Times, and they do the stupid thing where if you click on the article too many times, now they want you to subscribe. So I'm not doing that, so I can't pull up the article. But it resonated with me because it it was a psychologist talking about the fact that laughter is a very good coping mechanism for your brain, and that the psychologist was saying that there shouldn't be topics forbidden. Like maybe you don't go on a nationwide podcast, but you know, home with your friends or with your spouse, like you should be able to joke about anything because it helps your brain cognitively accept something or try to process it in a better way. So this psychologist was encouraging, make jokes about topics that you think should be forbidden because that means you've got some sort of barrier built around that topic. And if you can have some sort of laughter, it can crack the door open enough. Lighten you up a little bit about dealing with it. Yes. It's yeah. a, it's a gateway to actually talking about it in a serious way or processing it or destigmatizing it. That's a big thing. You know, there's yeah. a lot of topics. We all get so built up in our heads that we cannot talk about this. And if you yeah. find a way to make a little joke about it, a little levity, it helps your brain process it. Yeah. yeah. Makes it easier to talk about, uh, I would think. But yeah. <clears throat> So that's what I'm doing. I'm being psychologically prudent for planet Earth when I make jokes about <laughs> well, it's, it's it's the whole laughter is the best medicine yes. sort of thing. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. So that's what we're doing here. So Yeah. Sometimes it you know may uh, may not land on the mark, but that's what comedy is too. So I'm in an odd place with my therapist though, because I'm not in regular therapy right now. So I had you know, I've gone through uh, it seems like I'm peaks and valleys, dude, where I, you know, I've got a lot to talk about. And then when I don't, it's the most uncomfortable uh, therapy sessions for me. Uh, I feel like I have to come up with things to talk about. And I wish that I had a therapist and I don't maybe I do have a therapist. I've never asked her. Can I just say, like, I don't got much on the plate today. You know, yes, uh, I don't have much to talk about, dude. You should be able to have that conversation. My shrink and I have come to certain points where it's like, you know, we've kind of resolved these issues. And she's told me, you can take a week off. You can take a month off. You can come back in six months for a refresher. We can go from every week to every other week to once a month. Like, we should be doing this based on your needs. And just because you say right now, I think I'm good, doesn't mean you're never coming back or you're cured, you know, because none of us that can be counterintuitive. Like I'm obviously not cured, so I shouldn't stop therapy, but I'm an advocate of going at your temperature, you know, whatever your flow is. Cause right now I'm going once a week. I used to be going once every other week. I got to a point where I was going once a month, but life changes on you and you should be able to adjust with it. Yeah. 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 And I need to be able to have that conversation, I suppose, with my therapist. Uh, I, you seem very close to your therapist and I don't quite understand the boundaries of a therapist. And what I mean by that is uh, when I'm in therapy, 
I have an innate need to say, how are you? Like, I'm not used to people <laughs> just focusing on me. And that's the truth of like, I, 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 I want to give a little back and forth. It feels comfortable to me to be able to do that. Right. And that's I've been swatted down many times for it. Like, don't worry about how I am. We're here to talk about you. That's and that funny. makes me so uncomfortable. That's a very Nick Reynolds thing. I could see that you want to make sure your therapist is okay and have chit chat and all that. Me being the asshole I am, when my therapist starts talking about her life, I look at my watch. I'm like, I'm paying for this. Like, okay, great. You ride horses. That's great. Can we get back to me now? (laughs) You know, know, some of it is good insight. You know, my therapist has referenced, uh, you know, uh, you know, some of her hobbies or she started her career over midway in her like early forties. And, you know, so some of it is good insight related to what you're talking about, but part of it is like, like, you better hit pause on that clock because this is my money we're burning right now. So, right. yeah, uh, I, I have a hard time getting to that, dude. Get your own shrink. <laughs> Go talk to them. That's true. Yeah, and, it doesn't uh, you feel know, natural. I, um, I, I have always told people, if you're ever in the emergency room with me, I am hilarious because <laughs> that is a coping mechanism that I do when I'm in pain. Um, I'm pretty funny. I, I make jokes to the doctor, the nurse, to the person sitting there holding my hand and um, so yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun, but I had a uh, depressing realization this weekend. You know, we've been talking about my, uh, my medical issues now for, uh, six or seven weeks going now. The fact yeah. that I, uh, I've had, you know, uncontrollable bowel movements and diarrhea and just, uh, I've doctors have been trying to wrap their heads around this and Saturday, Brewski, uh, Nick knows this cause he's one of my emergency contacts, but, uh, <laughs> I ended up in the emergency room on Saturday. Oh, geez. I, uh, my, my, uh, my doctor put me on this new, I, we had joked about it a week ago, this powder, like super yeah. heavy duty Imodium basically that's meant to bind you up as she said. Yeah. And she started me on half packets. It's this packet of powder. And I was telling you guys, I'm like a Coke dealer, like chopping up this powder on my kitchen counter, trying to yeah. make the package in half. Well, I got to a full package and it, it wasn't stopping everything. Like I was going, maybe getting through the day, but I was still having a couple of movements a day. Sure. So she told me, go to start taking a package and a half of this powder. And so I did that last Friday and I went through the entire day, Friday, no bowel movements, no nothing. And I was like, maybe this is it. Like maybe I need a package and a half of this stuff. Well, I woke up Saturday morning. Oh boy. Uh, I, it was like, I, I was trying to like shit out a bag of cement or something. I mean, it was, it was painful to say the least. I mean, I had tears coming out of my eyes. Uh, I started sweating. Uh, at one point I, I looked in the mirror. I was white as a ghost. Oh, and I, I just, yeah. Oh crap. Indeed. And, um, I got this like brick out of my system Ugh. Then it just kept going and went back to diarrhea and I couldn't, I couldn't stop it. And, um, like I said, I was white as a ghost and I started, when I get really dehydrated, my hands club up, I can't okay. get my hands open and yeah. I feel that starting to happen. And uh. there was one time in my life where I had the flu and that happened. And my, my wife, Jamie at the time, she was like, I was like, take me to the emergency room. So I don't feel right. Something's bad is happening here. And she was like, oh, come on, you got the flu. And we went to the emergency room and they told me like, you are so dehydrated. Your organs are starting to shut down. Like you're about... 10 hours away from dying basically. So yeah, whenever I feel that sensation now, I know something bad is happening. So I get, I go go to the, you had it in a hot tub too, dude. Remember? 
Yeah, and that was drinking and being dehydrated. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so I went to the emergency room on Saturday. And, uh, you know, long story short, they filled me up with uh, fluids to get me rehydrated and Mm -hmm. pain pills for this, you know, just intense abdominal pains I was having. But yeah, to get back to my original point of like, I usually sit there and make jokes when I'm in the emergency room. This was the uh, this was the first time in my life I've ever been in an emergency room alone. Didn't have anyone. Because it was a weird, lonely feeling, wasn't it? It was insanely lonely of a feeling. And the the realization that I, you know, I could die alone or that I just don't even have somebody sitting here to make jokes with. And yeah, yeah. Okay, it was a bitter reminder, you know, that in my entire life, either my ex-wife was there or a parent or someone was there. And uh, yeah, I found myself alone in an emergency room, sitting there in, a, in an empty room with, you know, tubes coming out of me and all that stuff. And yeah. Realizing, like, yeah, I'm alone. <laughs> I'm alone in this world, and that is an unusual feeling for me, because I Nick knows, like, I have been in a relationship constantly my adult life. I was yeah. with Jamie for 17 years, and the gap between Jamie and Laura before that was three or four months. Yeah, and I got divorced three years ago. I was single for two fucking weeks before I started dating. Oh, oh. And I've never even been sick alone. I had to realize, forget the ER, I've never just even been home alone sick. Oh, I mean, wow. Someone's off at, you know, working or whatever, but I've never been single <laughs> and been sick. Well, oh. emergency room, so. I've been there a lot. Been there a lot. Yeah, Bruce, you got sick like me? that down in Vegas. You were in the ER in Vegas by yourself, weren't you? No, actually, I wasn't in the ER, but I was at a friend's house. My friend Jessica, who, who passed because of COVID a couple of years ago, um, I got sick when I was in Vegas and I had to change my flight and then Jessica let me stay at her house, her and her husband's house. And I slept on the futon in her husband's office for basically two days, two days straight of sleeping. And when I finally got on a plane and got back to Boston, it turned out that I had pneumonia. Yeah. You were, you were sick dude. That was, that was January of 20, right before the, the pandemic started. And Prior to that, I had gotten shocked by my defibrillator on Fremont Street in Las Vegas, and I got uh, yelled at by uh, an old lady after I got shocked because I got uh, shocked and it threw me on the ground. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and Did people start of, throwing tips at you? Do they think you're a street performer or something? <laughs> well, this is a bread in the valet area of the Golden Nugget. And one of the, the valets from the Golden Nugget came over to me and was like, hey, bro, are you okay? Do you need a water or something? I'm like, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay. And he kind of helped me get up onto my feet. And then this woman, this old woman comes over to me and she's like terrified. And she's just like, you need to go see a doctor. You're going to scare somebody like that. <laughs> and um, I'm sorry I scared I, you. <laughs> sorry you're yelling at me <laughs> because I have a medical issue. Yeah. But, but again, I was, I wasn't alone there, but I've been alone in the ER more than my a few few times in my life, especially with the defibrillator, because I'm usually alone when it happens. Sure, and I, and I actually have to go to the ER after it does happen yeah. because they have to take um, readings off of it and see what's going on with my heart and that sort of thing. So, uh, you know, there's a time when you're laying there and you're all by yourself, and yeah, it's 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 pretty. I know in some level we all die alone, but not really. I mean, it'd be nice to have people around you and. You know, I think more than once when my ex and I would get in a fight, I would tell her, like, you're dying alone, just so you know. Like, yeah. no one's going to put up with this shit but me. <laughs> you know, so, right. Yeah. Unless you want to die alone, can we dial this back a notch? Because I don't want to. And 
I, I don't yeah, want to die alone either, first, dude. It was my first realization of like, boy, if I die today, it's just me alone here. So, you know, it's you and know, it's it's a really uh, that is a really deep feeling uh, as someone who has spent time in in doctors' offices throughout my you know late twenties into the now. Uh, I used to have to have somebody go to the doctor with me all the time, you know, wife, girlfriend. And uh, you get to a point where I've had so many appointments, you know, that are just random appointments during work days and stuff like that, that I kind of had to stop and say, like, oh, I'm going to go by myself. Yeah, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. And it's gotten easier over the years. But I remember the feeling of, you know, going to get an MRI or, you know, having to do something serious like the ER and uh, and just not having anyone to, you know, hold on to your hand or just even to be there around you. Just waiting in the lobby or, you know, I had to call my ex-wife on Saturday and say, if they give me drugs, like, can you give me a ride home? And I felt so pathetic. Like, I don't even have somebody to drive me home. I don't think you should feel pathetic, dude. I don't want you to feel pathetic. I think about, you know, obviously I thought about this because of this weekend, but this is the shitty thing about having good friends that live in different cities. You know what I mean? Like, I always think like even on Saturday, I was like, I would have been there in a heartbeat, dude. There's nothing I can do. I'm sort of helpless sitting back here. Yes. <clears throat> I, you know, my, uh, my, I, Nick is obviously my best friend. And I have a, a woman named Emily who I've known since I was a kid who's, we've just stayed very close, you know, up you know, till now. And, you know, I texted her on Saturday and was telling her like, you know, I, I'm alone. And she was like, you're not alone. Like, you know, you've got so many people to love you. And I said, I know that I have some of the best friends on this planet. They're just not here. So yeah, yeah, on a day like that, that's a it's a it's a harsh reminder. Yeah, obviously, sure. I'm glad I have you all, and I include you in that, Brewski. But hey, you know, yeah, Nixon, Seattle, Brewski's in Boston. I'm in Northern California. I have no family here. Uh, I mean, my kids are here, obviously, but you know, I'm not burdening them with sure. know, coming into the emergency room with me and all that stuff. And yeah, and yeah, just the uh, I, I am a relationship guy. I've been in one my entire adult life. And uh, apparently some of them, maybe I rushed a little, <laughs> tried to saddle up with the wrong woman, literally. And, um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's been a weird realization for me. So is that part of your uh, therapy at all, dude? Uh, and I, you don't even have to answer that, but I mean, uh, I'm curious if you do talk about that need, because the reason I ask, I suppose, is because I know you're like that. Like you, you want to be with somebody and I'm very similar to that. I, I don't necessarily want to be alone. I don't like it. Mm-hmm. And I, that has become a topic of conversation in my therapy of, you know, hey, why do you think you have this desire to always have somebody around or to be with somebody. And it's, it's a tough one to look at in my mind. And maybe it has, like we were talking about earlier, some of my childhood stuff to go back to, but uh, it's an interesting conversation with a therapist to be like, you know, you see all these uh, motivational terms on Facebook. Like you have to learn to know yourself before you can be good to somebody else and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, I think that, uh, I think it's a little bit different for everybody. It's not that I can't be alone. 
I just don't. I would rather be with somebody that I care and love, you know? Yes. yes. Emily told me recently, like, you know, you need to, uh, eventually you'll be comfortable being alone. And I said, I don't want to be comfortable being alone. I want my person and not just, you know, just whether it's to text somebody like, I, I still have this knee jerk reaction. Things come up in life and I go to text, you know, my ex, like there's this knee jerk. I want to share it with my person. And, sure. um, you know, obviously I'm not, but, um, to, to answer your question, has this come up therapy? The answer is yes. And it's it's not my therapist answer, and I think we actually talked about this once on the show, is that I need more internal validation. External validation from you, from Brewski, from Emily, from my, my wife, my partner, whoever it is, those are good things. We all want to have circles around us, and we all you can't have enough love in your life. So it's not bad to want to be that kind of person and to seek that out. But because I lack internal validation, because I don't tell myself often enough that I'm worthy, that I'm a good person, that I, you know, uh, I'm lovable all by myself. <clears throat> because you may lack internal validation, you may try to fit a square peg in a round hole. I may find mm. someone like my ex and go, boy, there's these 10 things I love about you. There's these four red flags, but I'm going to ignore those because it's I want to have my person in my life. This'll do. Sure. Yeah. So right. we can work around those or maybe I can ignore them. Like, so you set yourself up a little bit on that topic, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't be looking for your person. You should address right. the secondary issue of red flags and not, sure. you know, compromising yourself into just accepting somebody for, you know, flawed, you know, personalities and all. Yeah. 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 No, that makes sense. That makes at sense. Say, at the same time, I, I don't ever want to, be in the relationship just to not be alone. And that's, that's never been me, you know, um, sure. and, and I, I'm perfectly content, you know, just being by myself, being a self-contained unit, if you will, mm -hmm. uh, you know, um, it's not the most ideal situation, but at the same time, I'm not going to just have somebody around just so I'm quote unquote, not alone. Yeah. It just, I don't, I don't work that way. So no, I get it. And I think again, as we've been talking about, everyone's wired differently, but I would also, I would point out I'm in a slightly different situation that oh, yeah. when I got divorced, I quickly had the realization that parenting is really not supposed to be a one person job. You really are supposed to have a partner. And I, I hats off to every single parent out there, especially full-time single parents. Yeah. I mean, it is, it becomes overwhelming very quickly. And I had talked to some other divorced parents about, you know, my kids, I had my kids one week on, one week off. And when my kids would leave at the end of the week, I would have this moment of relief of like, I made it through another week and I'm glad I now have some downtime. And I started at, at first feeling very guilty about that. Like, how could I want my kids to go? It's not that I wanted my kids to go. It's that being a single parent is truly overwhelming. And so there's a, just a sense of, you know, relief of like, now I can just focus on myself for a few days and I don't have to constantly be worrying about feeding other people and their schedules and all that stuff. So sure. I think that if I was truly a single man, that maybe my mentality would be a little bit different, sure. but that's not my reality. Well, here's a question. Have you ever gone to a parents without partners meeting? Uh, like an orgy or what are you talking about? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, 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 uh, no, no, no. There's actually a group, and and it's it's a it's a support group, but um, it's a thing called Parents Without Partners. I never knew anything about it until Jen told me about it because her um her dad used to used to go to that uh, um after her parents got divorced, and it was 
kind of one of those things where like it, these are other people that are there that that are going through what you're going through, yeah, and you, yeah. you kind of sit around, and you, you you talk, and it's males and females, and and it's, so it's not like all guys or all women, and it's just it's just parents talking about, hey, this is what we've yeah. got going on, and and you know you you kind of get a little more, um, I don't know, uh, you see how other people handle things, and yeah. maybe you're having an issue, and so it's it's supposed to be. Very, very good, actually. Yeah. No, I, I'm a believer in group therapy. I haven't done a lot of it in my life, but that kind of thing, like, it makes sense. And like I said, part of my, you know, accepting those feelings were normal and okay was talking to other divorced parents. So sure. it's a similar concept. And yeah. it was funny, my my uh, my buddy Emily, just a couple of weeks ago, she was texting me and I were talking about being alone and, you know, that I'm having a hard time in the dating world. There's so many flakes out there that, you know, ghost you or don't show up or whatever it is. And she was like, you should join some local like nature group, like get outside and, you know, explore the beautiful area you're in. And I was like, you mean to meet women? She's like, God damn it, Harness. No, just to meet. <laughs> she's human. catching on to the fact that you're just horny about everything. Right. So she's like, not everything has to be to meet women. Like, you can just go have a friend. I'm like, I, I, don't, I don't need friends. I got you. I got Nick. I got Brewski. I'm fine. <laughs> Stick my wick in something already. <laughs> And speaking of which, gentlemen. Weren't you going to do that this weekend? Well, so there you go. I, I somewhat begrudgingly, you know, took your guys' advice. So we were talking last week on the show that, you know, this woman in my life called Suicide Girl, <laughs> who's this raging alcoholic, uh, she wants to bone the crap out of me. And she's a good-looking woman. Like, you know, so I was very tempted to do it. But I have a real hard time just blatantly ignoring the two of you warning me up and down that – Going to hook up with some normal women is okay, but red flag, red flag, red flag with this raging alcoholic who's going to show up on your front doorstep. So uh, she's stolen my phone, but I have not unblocked her, and I've just continued to ghost her, and I've just I've walked away from that whole thing. Part of me feels good knowing if I wanted to go get laid, I could. Like, maybe that's all I kind of need in this twisted brain of mine. Sure, yeah. Otherwise, yeah, go rough up the suspect and, you know, get it out of your system. But I have wow. stuck to your advice. I have not gone after a suicide girl. But Steve, well, I, I was I, I was so hoping that you did. I, I called Nick on Saturday night. <laughs> Don't tell me I, that. I, I called Nick on, right now. I mean. <laughs> I called Nick on Saturday night, and, and I had a song for you and everything <laughs> I wanted Nick to play. And yeah, he what, did. He told me about it. He was like, are we sure that Steve shouldn't do this? I was like, I'm sure. I'm not moving off my post here. Right. Nick's been steadfast. Brewski's left the door open. What was the song? Like Highway to Hell or something? Or <laughs> No. Do you, do, do you want me to tell you? What do you want to sure. It's a song called Dirty White Boy by Foreigner. <laughs> Listen, maybe I need to be a little dirty white boy. I don't know. But, yeah. No, I'm... Give, it, give the song a listen, Steve. There's, yeah. a, there's lots of guitar in it that I think you would really enjoy. All right. Well, I'll check it out. But, yeah, I'm, I'm having the uh, conundrum of am I looking for Mrs. Wright or just Mrs. Wright for now? And if it's DWB, right now, Steve. DWB. DWB? What yeah. is it? Dirty White Boy. Oh, okay. Sorry. Dave, I thought it was like FWB, like Friends with Benefits or something. No, no, no. Yeah, so okay. N N Nikki is DMB. You're DWB. There you go. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, we should go on tour together this summer. So. You've got a few <laughs> other prospects on the list of people that I feel so much more comfortable with you <laughs> taking this little venture of yours. I do. I mean, I don't, but the problem is with this internet dating thing, like, 
I just can't figure some of these women out. You have these great conversations, and then when it comes down to, all right, you free Friday night, they just vanish on you. Or I've even had a couple like, yes, yeah, Saturday night, 7 o'clock, this bar, this place, and then an hour before, they're like, yeah, no, never mind. Like, I just, I don't know why it's so hard to just find a nice woman out there, Nick. Well, I'll tell you, I was telling, I was telling, Brewski, I was telling Steve this, this weekend on the phone that, you know, uh, I walked into the living room to eat lunch a couple of weeks ago and, uh, the TV was still on Dr. Phil's on somebody who I don't watch. Right. But the caption that came up as soon as I walk into the room is all about internet internet dating horror stories. And I was like, oh, we're talking about this on the show. Let me just see what this is. So there was all kinds of advice on there and stuff, but there was a few things that stuck with me. One of them was, and I've seen Datelines done on this as well. There are people, and I think uh, Nigeria is supposedly like the biggest place that is happening. Yes. But there is just a workforce of men and women who are working to catfish and gain the trust of people until, you know, we have good conversation over a three week period. And then one day I'll be able to say like, Oh gosh, my cat, you know, I love my cat. She's sick. And if I don't pay for this operation, you know, she's going to die and slowly start to milk money out of people. Yeah. They're testing How the do water you know? to see if you're vulnerable, right? Yeah. To test the yeah. water to see if you're vulnerable is exactly right. Yeah. This is such a minefield that you you're know. living in. Yeah. You don't I know actually, if someone's just being a nice human or like you said, are they testing you, baiting you, catfishing you? So and I actually I actually had an experience like this this weekend if, if you want to hear about it. Sure. Okay. Let, let me just say this yeah, real quick, so, Bruce, go, go to finish yeah. my point, is yeah. that this weekend I'm telling Rachel some of these woes, and she's like, I think Steve just needs to get up on the mountain starts doing skiing stuff like Emily's saying, start getting out to do some of the things that you like to do and meet an in-person. It'll never happen. I will not hit on a woman in real life. You don't have to hit on her though. Dude, go to the park. How would I get a number? How would I know if she's interested? How do I know if she's single, if she's conservative, if she's liberal, if she's Steve, Steve, you know what you do? Go, go, no, go, go, go skiing. Right. Yeah. Go to the bar. Bundled head to toe, and you can't even tell what she looks like. Go, go, go to the bar after skiing. There's always a bar to ski resort, right? Keep your business cards with you. You do start talking, right? And then you just you you hand a business card, and I'm why not? You're telling me if you were on the mountain skiing. First of all, Jamie Anderson is on the ski slopes, and she's all bundled up. You wouldn't know that she was hot. No, how would you? Because her face is out, dude. Exactly. Her face is out. You can see the way her body's moving. With goggles and a face wrap and a hoodie. I mean, you know, it is that's so hard to know if a snow bunny is good looking or not out there. Go to the bar. But that's not even the issue. Okay. So, but once you get onto the slopes and you're talking, you have a chairlift ride up with a particular person. Uh, you start skiing. If there is a group that you can just go skiing for singles, something no. like that. Oh, well, okay. If it's a dating group, then yes, I need to have some in. I am even before the Me Too movement, but now, especially with Me Too, I feel like you're a total creep if you just go up to a stranger and start hitting on them. And that doesn't mean overtly hitting on them, just even 
fishing. I, Having I, a conversation? I don't, I don't have it in me. No, I can't do that. I cannot go to strike up a conversation Steve, with a stranger. You talk, you talk on the air, for, for God's sakes, for a living. Yes. Uh, you ironic. can't walk up to a girl and just be like, it's gorgeous out here today. Fresh nope. pow. I mean, nope. this is amazing, right? Nope. And start a conversation. Nope. I feel like a creep. I feel like a person. Oh, stop. I am professionally extroverted, but personally very introverted. And I have never gone to hit on a woman in real life. You know, I met Laura at the radio station. That's probably one of the only examples. And even that was a lot of, you know, dipping your toe in the water. And then finally, when I got her number and called her, I got her number from someone else and called her. Like, I mean, that was a feat of strength. And uh, so, no, I'm not going to go hit on some woman in Starbucks or on the chairlift. I just, I just don't have it in me. And by the well, way, there was one time a woman in line at the grocery store like a year or so ago. She was, she was hitting on me. And I was so boggled by like, is this woman hitting on me? Like it threw me. I I, I, re I, I retracted more. Not like I'm going to take this opportunity. Like you know, no, to, good, but, but no, don't don't gonna... look at it like that. Just look at it as you're having a conversation. Don't look at it as what's going to happen a week from now if we go out or are we going to hook up. Don't look at it like that. Look at it as you're just having a conversation. But where does it go? Because at the end of that conversation, I got to get a number or a Facebook thing or something. But, and then but you, maybe you walk away and you say, hey, I met a new friend today. And that friend develops over the next two or three weeks. How, if you, How are they going to develop? I got because you're number. friends now. You're friends. How do I contact this person? So, well, instead of saying like, hey, can I get those digits, baby? You say like, hey, you know, I come up skiing on Saturday. You know, if you ever want to meet up, you know, here's my number. Or I should get your number. I come up on Saturdays or whatever. I'd love to, you know, it was fun being able to ski with somebody today. Not happening. I just, <sighs> I, I, I can't do it. There was well, one girl I met once playing the whole like, you know, I worked at the pawn shop and she wanted to buy a guitar. And I was like, hey, you know, if you're ever looking for lessons, like, you know, but I but, just, but, I don't, I don't know. The older I get, the, I'm just not doing it. I told well, you guys but, that I, a, a mutual friend, you know, put her arm on my shoulder. I was just like, what are you doing? Like, you know, like this is real life. Don't touch but, me. But not, not, but not, Steve, <laughs> Steve, not, not, not every conversation or every, every interaction has to lead to sex. But it's it good. I'm not looking. Then, but but, don't, but not, not, I get that. But but don't <laughs> even don't even think about that that initial conversation as where it's going to lead. Just look for, look at it for what it is. It's a conversation, and that's that's all it is. Yeah, when, I started, when I started when I started seeing Rachel, I you know what I hadn't seen her. So first of all, Rachel and I went to met in second grade, right? Yeah. We went all through high school together. Then she went off and did her thing and everything else. And I didn't ever talk to her. Then MySpace pops up and I see her on there once in a while. And we become friends on there. Just friends because I was in a relationship. And then uh, when I finally when I was single and I called her, I called her one day just out of the blue. Hadn't talked to her for like a year and a half, two years. And I was like, hey. Sure. I know you're a Seahawks fan. I got a ticket. You want I you want to go with me? Uh we were I didn't know if we were dating for at least a month. <laughs> right. That if we were hanging out. Or if you were dating, you didn't know if you were Right. Uh, yeah. yeah. We weren't making out. We weren't doing any of that shit. We were just hanging out, having a good time, getting to know each other as who we were. I don't have that foundation though. If I move back to Michigan, I could probably pull that maneuver. You know, we've known each other for years. You want to go to the show and see what happens. But I'm in a, a town that I have. I've been. I've been here 15 years. But I don't. I don't have a network like that. 
but you do with the radio station. I mean, on all the oh. sales calls, you go on into the restaurants you go into. Well, you think the I'm last time, Brewski. No, huh? no, no, no. Yeah. Not, not, not even that. You don't Just, have to hit on them. You no, know, no, I'm, it, I'm asking you to step away from your horniness for one second and not I hit on it for friends. What? I don't. What, it, what if it starts out as friends? That's weird. Men and women aren't friends. Like I'm interested in you or I'm not. And if I, I am, I'm playing a game then if, oh, hey, you just want to go play bocce balls or something like give me your number in case uh, you're ever stuck somewhere. Like I'm playing a game, obviously. Yeah, I well, yeah, well, I, I think you. this is why you. dating apps are good. You're all in the same pool. OK, you're single. I'm single. You can filter some people out. And now the awkwardness is gone. Like, it's OK to be flirting with you. I can or you're a bot that. or you're a catfish. Well, I mean, yeah, this, I mean, that's the problem. But, you know, I can't just go into a bar and just walk up to women and start hitting on them or at Starbucks or on the lift chair like. But it's like, don't think about it as, as hitting on. Just go and have a conversation. Like you're having a conversation. I know, with but at me some point, it has to transition to hitting on. So if no, I start it doesn't. talking to the woman on the chair, like, hey, you're from around. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. But now what? Now you get their number and then you talk to them. Exactly. And then, and then, I can't then, do it. Why not? But what if she got your number? She was like, oh, I come here all the time, dude. We should, uh, you know, I'll give great. you my number. That'd be great. But I'm not, I, I can't, I, I'm not making that move. The business card, dude. Just give the business card. You you have an excuse because you work. buy radio sales. Here you go. <laughs> no, 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 no. But what you're saying, what you're saying is, is that okay? Not only are you a professional, but you're a business owner. Okay, so now I'm okay. kind of helping you play your game a little bit. Now you're saying, <laughs> hey, you know what? Here's yeah. my business card. You know what? Well, we should talk sometime and leave it at that. And then what she's going to do is she's going to look at that card and say, and never call me. Yeah, you don't know that, but 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 at least well, she's crazy. If she does, is what I've learned. The aggressive ones are psycho, and that's not, you know, that's our not dating not... coach told me like women like to be women. They want the man to take the lead and ask them out and make the first move. Yeah, and but I'm that's 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 the asking out. But that's my the mother asking, did. That's the asking out part. This uh, is this is the pulling you in to to my world. We're and, talking about testing with, the waters. Testing. <laughs> Just testing the waters a little I bit. I get it. And I understand the advice you're giving is good advice. And for most men, it would probably work great. But there's something wrong with me where I just feel like I'm being too aggressive or too whatever it is. I'm probably afraid of being rejected out of hand, Steve, you know, asking like Steve, that. Steve, yeah. unless, unless you're unzipping your pants and pulling your penis out, you're not being too aggressive. I know, but in this day and age, you are. Fuck this day and age. Don't worry about that. That's just I'm alive, shit. though. <laughs> I get it. I get it. Just, just go and do your thing. And if you have good intentions, okay, you're, you're not going to come across creepy. Yeah. I don't, Steve, I, mean, okay, I don't know. I mean, I've, I've known you with a stranger. Known... I will. I, I give me some <laughs> Cheetos. <laughs> okay. So, so what, I, what, I'm, what I'm saying though, is, is that you're somebody that, that wants to, as you say, meet your person. Okay. Mm. If you're I, speaking... I thought that maybe I just want to play thing nowadays. I don't know, but I, okay. the topic, uh, but either way, you got to put yourself out there. No, but, but you have good intentions at, at the heart. You have good intentions. Yeah. So if you start, if you start talking to a, a woman, right, People you're not going to see that, but yes, I, you're not going to, you're not going to go into it and just trying to like throw her down and get in her pants right there in the bar or whatever. 
You're just sure. you're not going to do that. You're I think Steve's shutting us way. down here, Brewski. I think we would probably have better luck if you were selling hot dogs at a stadium. Hot dogs, it's hot dogs Again, the advice you guys are giving is good advice. I just I don't know how to do it. Is the problem? I'm 46 and I haven't ever done that. So would it be easier if you had a a guy with you? Uh, if we went out, yeah. I don't know if it would be. You know, I was Maybe. just in a situation this uh, this couple nights ago where I was out at a public event and there's a woman there that I know is single and maybe there's some interest there, but I was, I was that scared high school kid. I didn't want to make eye contact with her. I didn't want to, I just, I feel so vulnerable. That's why you so need afraid me. afraid of rejection and all that stuff. That, you yeah, need I me to, to go over and talk to her because I'll give her the Boston. I'll start talking over. So I'll start laughing. Oh, that's so funny. And everything. I'm like, Hey, you know what? Have you met my friend, Steve? Yeah. And then you two start talking and then I I'm out You're of it. Probably right. But again, oh, none of my friends live in this town. So, well, you know, go out and meet new friends. So now I got to go get a guy friend and then no, you can so- the guy friend to help me, me get a girlfriend. Like, okay, see if I got, I got a free time. Do I have, dude, I, got, I just got to, you got to pick time and I got to fly in the Tahoe and we got to go to the bar. You buy my drinks and, and, and I'll wrangle the women for you. All right. We'll see I'm serious. I'm not gonna... get maced, but yes. Oh, stop. <laughs> hey, dude, Brewski's, uh, Brewski's coming to C-Town. Brewski told me this weekend, oh, I'm thinking about coming out to Seattle and uh, doing a little visit and uh, asked me, uh, can we, uh, while I'm there, can we do the podcast together, you know, while I'm there so we could be in that little hut of yours? <laughs> I said, oh. yes, dude, come on in. That'd be interesting. Yeah. Now, yeah. now Nick, Nick did say that we, we can't sit there and just wrap in towels though. He said that would be a little too creepy for Steve. Yeah. It's no longer a sauna. So Post show, um, though, you know, you do you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know, guys. Again, I do appreciate the advice. And for a normal human, you're probably right, but that's not yeah. so we gotta work within my confines. So gotcha. That's internet dating and um you know, mixed bag. And now yeah, the, the two women I told you about last week, they're both off the list. And I got a whole new list going, but Oh, good for you. I guess. But here's the thing. This reminds me when I was in the rock band. you would when you're in a rock band, you get people coming up to you all the time. Like, hey, I know this connection. I got a friend at Sony Records, or I can promote you. And then you go and you tell your friends, like, hey, I talked to this guy today. Maybe he can get me hooked up at Geffen Records. And then right. nothing fucking comes of it, and you feel like <laughs> a fool for running around telling people, like, hey, I got this possible lead. That is what I'm feeling like nowadays, sharing all of this internet dating stuff on the show. Because from week to fucking week, the list is changing. You know, we had this love story about the lawyer. Nah, that fucking fella. Angelina Jolie? <laughs> now, oh, point. Point break. No, point break. The Valley Girl, Valley Girl's gone. Suicide Girl. No, fuck Suicide Girl. She's crazy. Like, what happened to Point Break? I wish I had an answer for that. We're having this great back and forth conversation, this awesome punk rock chick. I don't know what happened. All of a sudden, we're in the midst of this discussion that has gone on back and forth, back and forth. Days go by, no response. I give a little prod of like, you know, it, it, was it that I said I like Green Day? Like, what? LOL, what if, you know? And then she's just gone. Unmatched conversation's gone. Oh, like, I have no idea what happened. Well, was well, she fortunately- a real person? Was it something I said? Who knows? Fortunately for you, Steve, though, there are a lot of our listeners, probably most of our listeners, who can completely, you know, um, vibe with, with what, what you're going through right now. 
They'll say, you know what? I'm going through the same exact thing. And your pain is bringing everybody else to, together, you know? Well, there is that aspect. But we need some hot female listeners that want to move to Northern California. Oh, yeah. Th- that would be That's good. What we- <laughs> you want to move someone in town, dude? They got to be close enough. Because I'm having that problem, too. I live in a small town. I told you guys, when I went to the Bay Area of San Francisco, my dating app exploded. But I'm living in this rural area. And one of the women that fell apart, the lawyer that could have been the great love story, she's like, Ugh, you live an hour away. Like, it's just too far. I'm like, that's not that bad at all. Of course it's not. That's, but, like, that's like me saying someone in Providence, someone in Manchester, who they're both 56 miles away. Oh, that's too thing. far. It's a thing. When I first started dating my ex, she had this moment of like, you know, we live an hour and some change apart. Like, I just don't even want to go down this road. And I had to convince her, like, let's at least meet before you determine it's too far. And Once we met, then we were both like, fuck an hour. Who cares? That's fine. But I've had multiple women say like, oh, geez, I didn't realize you're in Tahoe. That's like an hour and a half away. I'm only dating in my town. Like, I'm glad some of you live in a big city that you have the luxury of dating on your block. I don't. (laughs) So, so yeah, so you got to lower your standards uh, to get the pool of women bigger. Is that what you think? I I don't know what I think. I mean, or I just got bide my, your time. I've got my radius in like a two hour window, and yeah. you know my my ex wife, her and Charlie, like they're four hours apart, and they made this work somehow. So I refuse to get into that mindset. But I've had multiple women tell me that oh, I didn't realize you were in Tahoe. That's too far away for me, and. Or I start looking at women in the Bay Area. I'm like, there are a million good-looking, cool women, but four hours? Like, that is kind of far, so. Yeah. What about Sa- what about Sacktown? Sacramento is better. I'm That's two hours. Fine. Yeah, it's about two hours, so I'm Yeah. Young. But no, I've had multiple women tell me, like, oh, geez, didn't realize how far away you were. Never mind. Or it says on their thing, I'll date within, you know, a 30-mile radius, and that's it. Like, yeah, maybe they don't have a car, dude. They just are, you know, want to be where a bus can take them. I'll drive you, baby. <laughs> <laughs> so, You're going to so figure yeah, it out. There's a whole new list going, and we'll see if any of them come to fruition. But Can we get one uh, nickname off the new list? Um... Well, radio, uh, radio fan. I think we'll oh, call yeah, radio, radio fan. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. She's, uh, she's a good one. Worked out for, uh, Schnicker Bickers. I'm pulling <laughs> up. Know, he list. married a radio fan. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, hey, somebody replied. Oh, hey, radio fan replied. Hey, okay. So there you go. Really? Nick, can I just tell you something, too? Again, Mike Shrink could have a heyday with this, and we've spent time talking about this today. I find myself to be so goddamn pathetic, or maybe this is such the lover in me. I don't know. But I can be feeling down and out and ready to fucking jump off a building. I get one message from one woman, and I'm just like, okay, life's worth living again. (laughs) Like, I am so easily pushed back into the positive. And part of me thinks, like, that's a good thing. You want love. You want your person to make you feel good. But, man, I am so easily bendable from life is over to some woman I've never met just sent me a message. So now I feel better about myself. Listen, dude, this is what I'm going to say. Yeah. I'm going to say this with love (laughs) and peace. Hmm. This is a problem for you in the sense of when you actually get into a relationship that the validation coming from a woman can make you sweep things to the other side. Yes. Well, this is what what we were talking about earlier. Yes. My internal validation opens me up 
to somebody who's flawed, where I'm willing to overlook so many of the other things because I'm getting something that I wanted and needed. So I overlook all the others. But and that is the reason specifically. And I'm not saying uh, uh, we all we could all work on this as human beings is to say that, you know what, I am I'm worthy. I'm bringing this to the table and I am worthy. I am worthy regardless is a phrase my shrink has said to me a million times. Yes. And I have a real hard time with it. But um, you can find you can find some of that in other things in your life. You can find it with your children of that's something that definitely makes you fucking worthy. You can find it with your friends, with your job, with the way you treat people in the grocery store. I mean, there are so many things that you could find that in that I hope that for you. Because as a friend, I see it and it's just you looking at yourself to see the same thing is where I hope you will be. What I have convinced myself of, and my shrink mainly agrees with me, is I I have to find the right person. I am so, I love with my whole heart, I do love unconditionally. And that opens me up to people bending me and manipulating me. Uh, you know, my ex told me once she does not believe in unconditional love. And I was just like, how can you not like a ride or die? Right. Isn't that what that means? You know, people throw those phrases around, but they don't fucking mean it. I do. Sure. Yeah. And if you've got a flaw, I'll, I'll work with you around it. I'll work through it. I'll, I'll do whatever. And so I, I need to find the right person where my everything lines up, where they're not going to try to manipulate me or there's not all these things I have to overlook. But clearly I haven't found that person yet. The thing that I have learned throughout my life is that I, too, am that way. I'm very I will be a very loyal person. But when it when it jumps to you're disrespecting me. Yeah. That's when someone needs to be able to say, I'm not okay with you treating me that way. And like, I'll bend over backwards and do anything for you. But if you're going to disrespect me in a way that either puts me down in a way, I'm I got I got to be strong enough to fucking bail. I have to. And I have I struggle with that. But I, I in my mind, I have to I have to be able to do that. If I respect myself at all, I have to be able to do that. Yep. And, and if you don't, you just it, said it, respect yourself. Like I'm lacking internal validation. So that's the whole point. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I was going to say, yeah, to, to your point, Steve, you, you need to respect yourself because if you don't, other people won't respect you back because you won't, you won't give off that vibe that, that you, that's what you expect and, and that's what you deserve. Yeah. Yeah. Nope. These are all great issues we're bringing up and, um, it's a work in progress, quickly, dude. Please. Always, always a work in progress. Remember, the Staple Singers once said it, and then Bruce Willis himself and the Return of Bruno said it. You got to respect K-A, yourself. <laughs> no, you got to respect yourself. <laughs> you do have to respect yourself. Good old Staple Singers reference, Bruce. Danny, oh, yeah. Danny Holiday would be proud of that. Ah, uh, yeah. Respect yourself, man. Uh, Bruce, yeah. I cut you off a little earlier oh, uh, about a. Uh, oh, okay. So his 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 experience. So Wait, set this up again. Wait, I, I'm lost. We were talking Remember, about the dating woes of bots and people trying to take advantage of men online, uh, yes. men and women, I suppose. But yep. so I get this person, this 18 year old girl who reached out to me on Tinder. Oh, uh, yes. I remember you bringing her up. Yeah. Okay. So then we're messaging. And then she's like, hey, you know what? Why don't we start texting? And I'm like, okay, whatever. You know, I don't think anything about it. 
Sure. So we're texting back and forth. And then she starts kind of getting a little with the sexy talk. Okay. And like aggressive I sh- or what? How'd she start? Yeah, kind of aggressive, you know, uh, getting in a shower, you know, wish you were here, you know, that sort of thing there. And I should have, yeah. at that point there, I should have known something was go- something was wrong here. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> it's too good to be true that a woman might actually be sexual and want to do something with you, right? That's the sad yeah. reality that you have to think no. of. Because when no. women start doing that with me, I'm like, oh, that's what I want to hear. Oh, that's a red flag. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's uh, th- you'll see why I say that in just a few minutes. Okay, you're waiting for Chris Hansen to walk out. <laughs> yeah. Basically, yes, and that's exactly <laughs> that's exactly what happened the next day. Oh right. my gosh! Continue. Please continue. So the next day, I'm out working and I'm driving, and my phone's and I'm on my way to go pick up uh, a, a ride, and my phone starts to ring and has a number I don't recognize, but that's not unusual because whenever a ride is trying to call me to see where I am. They call Uber. Well, Uber connects us. Sure. And I don't see their number. They don't see my number. Sure. sure. Okay. So I answer the phone. And my first clue should have been when somebody said my full name, man, it's Dr. Jason, you know, uh, right? yeah. you know, and I'm like, this is him. How can I help you? Cause now I'm thinking, okay, is this a- <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> well, yeah. now, now, the, now this guy comes on and it's like, yeah, this is so-and-so I'm calling from cam. I'm like, what? And he's like, crimes against minors. And I'm just like, oh. right. I'm like, what, what? He's like, yeah, I'm calling about a conversation you had with, with Miss Jasmine. And I'm like, okay. And really? then, he, yeah. And then, <laughs> yeah, and then, and then he, then he says to me, he's just like, you, you want to talk to me about that? And I just said, well, that's really a conversation between she and I. Oh, well, you know what? I've got her parents and her mother wants to file charges against you. Her father doesn't want to file charges against you. He's trying to oh, calm come her on. Down. They can't do that. You were told she was 18. You haven't taken any action. Okay. Okay. So, so anyway, so then, so then <laughs> I'm, more to I'm, the story. I'm getting, I'm getting pissed at this point. I'm getting pissed and I, I shouldn't, I should calm down. Right. I'm sorry. So then so then I was just, he's like, you know, okay, can I have the father call you? I'm like, yes. You know what? Have him call me in, in 10 minutes. Have him call me. I'm pissed at this point, right? Yeah. I pick up, I pick up my ride, drop him off. Guy doesn't call me. Pick up another ride up on the ride. A private number starts popping up on my phone. Well, I've got a ride. I'm, I'm not answering it. Right? <laughs> that would have been a fun Uber ride. <laughs> yeah. Right? So, so then finally, finally, I, um, I get a call. And it's his private number. I'm like, okay, it's go time. Let's go. So by that, by that, by this point, I've had some time to think about everything. I've um I've looked up, and it turns out that this this agency that that was calling me, completely phony. Oh, okay. Right? Oh. Completely phony. And from what I from what I understand, what they do is they they'll call you and they'll say, well, you know what, you did X, Y, and Z, and uh, unless you pay the family a certain amount of money they're going to go to your employer they're going to go to you they're going to call your your family and they're, they're setting you up for blackmail you pretty much right so then i'm talking to the quote-unquote father and he and i and i called him out on the fake agency thing i said i looked that up in massachusetts it's a manufacturing come uh 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 come it's a it's a company it's a center for manufacturing it's not nothing to do with crimes against minors and he got all flustered and started calling me all sorts of names and hangs up on me <laughs> so then i've got no number to call him back but i have the number of the of, of jasmine original. 
Yeah. So I call that number and eventually it goes to voicemail. And then I get a text message. This is Jasmine's mother. Don't you ever call my daughter's phone ever again. And I said, I'm trying to reach your husband. He hung up on me. And that's what, and then I I let I let loose on her. I'm like, I know this is all a, a fucking scam. And and I said and I start listing it all out. And she, wow. and she and she starts saying, you know what? You 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 mess with the wrong family. And I'm just like, you know what? You want to go to the cops? You go to the cops. You tell me where to go and what police station you want me to go to, and I'll go there. Yeah. And she's just like, you'll see, you'll see. And I haven't heard jack shit from them since. Of course, because you've never done anything. It's obviously a scam. But no, but but even so, I fought I fought back, and they moved on to the next the next mark sure sure so then i did some searching on the phone number because i wanted i wanted to find out who these people were and all that sort of thing because they found out a lot of information about me by looking at my cell phone number right and because i was thinking about going to get stickers made that say like you know you know free free live naked boys to your home and i was going to put their phone number and put the stickers all over town (laughs) so so they they would get all sorts of like calls and everything you may not want to solicit child porn. That's uh, I don't know. It's some legal no, advice. It, it may cement no, 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 no. You're not talking about. I'm talking about like. I know you're not being for real, but I'm just saying you may want to no. go to the print shop and be like, "Can I print up stickers?" To say no, 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 no. Understand when I said when I said boys, I don't I don't mean like children. I'm talking about. I'm talking about. I'm talking about what like like gay talking? male prostitutes. Oh, okay. Because they'll, they'll say they'll say gay boys, and, and as opposed to you know what I mean, like yeah, the Thai boys. boys. Yeah. I, 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 so anyway, so I was gonna I was gonna do that. <laughs> wow. Yeah, because I wanted to, I wanted them to get lots of calls from people saying, "Hey, can I find myself a you know a, an escort for tonight?" Maybe and you're not a good person to talk me down off an edge when I get all wound up. <laughs> <laughs> your your revenge fantasies make mine look pretty tame. So. Oh, so anyway, so but so then so then I'm I'm doing some research, and unfortunately the uh, the phone numbers, both of them trace back to. Um, one of those cloud phone companies. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. You can spoof your number. And- yeah. So this yeah, is so just a straight up professional scam operation. Pretty much, yeah. Wow. So so they 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 pick an area code and then they they get a fake phone number and then at any point they can dump that number and yeah, yeah. and that sort of thing. But oh, I was I. I I mean, you when I when text the, this woman and just say, so am I still getting blown or what? Well, and so, but the thing about it was, <laughs> it was a bad idea, dude. <laughs> I would just let this one lie. Dude. Well, so, but, but the best, the best part about it is that even if they had called me back, I was in such a, a calm zone at that moment when I'm typing these messages to them that I was, even when the guy, the dad, the quote unquote dad called me, I was sitting there so calm and just speaking very matter of factly. And and I was so proud of myself because I could have yelled and screamed and gotten all bent out of shape. Yeah, uh, but I you didn't. were the Chris Hansen in this scenario. It's good. Oh my god! And then and then he's the one that got all flustered when it, I was shooting down everything he was saying to me because I had had time to do some research. I wasn't acting knee jerkly. Yeah, you, know? you could have baited them, and you may still be able to. I met a few years ago a, a, a stand up comedian who one of his hobbies, and he makes it part of his act, is all of these Nigerian prince emails you get. Yeah, he, he interacts with them, 
and he gets them to do all sorts of crazy things. He'll tell them, like, I'll send you $10,000, but I want you to hold up a sign saying, you know, Michael Jackson is the, the king of pop or something. Like, he, <laughs> he makes these people do all of these crazy things. Just to just, jump through hoops. Yeah, just fucking with them. And he keeps... Waste their time. Yeah, yeah. makes them think that, you know, he's really going <laughs> to write them a check. And he makes them do all these crazy shenanigans and pranks. And he showed me all these pictures he has of these signs he would convince them to hold up and whatnot. And, and you can also, in all seriousness, get enough information that you can turn them over to the FBI or whatnot. Well, that's like, I'll send you a check. Like, where am I sending it to? What bank or what bank, you know, like, and then you turn them in. Well, yeah, but they would probably want me to send it to to like a Venmo account or something like that. But even then I could reach out to Venmo and say, Hey, you know, this person is scamming. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Damn. Nick, this is what I'm talking about though. This is the world of internet dating. Yeah, I'm saying you, know. you got to meet someone in real life, dude. <laughs> That's no, why I'm saying they're it. more likely to mace me <laughs> than, than what's happening in the Internet. I'd rather be maced than have. I mean, first of all, I mean, what did he what did, what, what was his issue? That, well, that was he trying that, to claim she was underage? Yes, exactly. He was yeah. saying he was saying she's only 17 and, you know, you shouldn't be talking with her. At the, and I'm like, well, she told me she was 18 years old and, and that sort of thing. And he's and then he's just like, well, no, she's underage. And how dare you? You're a, you're a fucking Can you tell pervert. her to call me when she is 18 then? Can you tell your daughter? <laughs> <laughs> or, or get a, some control on your kid. I mean, I don't know. I She she reached out to me and she lied to me. Oh, so it's a scam. And obviously, yeah. I guess some guys may fall for that. So, but. That's terrible, Brewski. Did you have any moment where you were like, "Holy shit, what did I? What's happening here? What did? What am I into?" Well, after the, the initial call from the agency, quote unquote, and I was waiting for the the dad to call me back. Uh, I was on that whole ride. I was like, "What the hell?" You know. Um, and so I thought, okay, well, what if this is real? What do I need to do going protect forward? myself? Ex- yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I was wrap preparing- it up for sure. Protection. Prepare- preparing myself you know um (laughs) but then the longer that the longer that they dragged it out where they weren't calling me back the more it gave me some time to stay parked for a little bit do some internet research on my phone real quick and put myself in a position where i had the upper hand yeah right they no longer did yeah yeah yeah. this is ridiculous this is what you're dealing with and trying to date well, and I and now I looked, you're I, internet researching and building legal defenses. <laughs> well, and, and I, I I looked it up, and this is this is not unusual. This happens a lot outside of military bases because a lot of times what they'll do is they'll get this underage person, quote unquote, to reach out to these military members. A lot of times they're 18, first time away from home, yeah, sure. don't have don't have anybody around, so they're lonely and that sort of thing. Next thing you know, it they're they're getting scammed for money, and they don't know their rights. They don't know what anything, and they start giving money to these people, and it's it's a, it's a, a problem, and it's happened outside a number of um military sure. installations in the country. Yeah, I yeah. promise you, if anyone ever that you don't have never met in person asks you for money, I mean, I I would never give money to anyone that I had never met. Yeah. I would never give money to anyone, but even if I had would, talked. You know? Yeah. This is how scams work. They call 100 people and maybe one, you know, takes the bait, but that's all they need. Yep. Stay safe out there, boys. That's my uh, personal. Do we want to take a bet? So radio fan, will she she still be a thing by episode 12? I'm going to bet no right now. Have you read the latest (laughs) message? Yeah. Is it positive? Well, so here's the thing. This woman reaches out to me, Brewski. Actually, I think I, 
I've just been, you know, blanketing, like, 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 you carpet know, bombing. Like, yeah, you like 100 people. It's, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Carpet bombing. See who replies. So this woman, uh, 36, which, you know, 10 years younger. Not okay. bad. But anyway, she, you know, replies to some benign thing I had said, but then she, uh, I'll read it. She says, um, and you're a radio DJ. I like that. I've been told that I was a DJ in a past life, or maybe I, uh, should have gone that way in this life. So she's like, you know, coming after this whole, I'm a radio guy thing. Yeah, I get it. Which, you know, I'm willing to, uh, abuse my fame. Extort. <laughs> exactly. So I start asking her, I say like, well, I'll play any request you're looking for. So what, what kind of music are you into? I can't even tell you how many women I've done this for now over the course of my <laughs> life. And each and every one of them, when the radio station starts playing the song they just asked for, I mean, I could just their panties just get wet from 10 miles away. There was a point where Steve did a like a, a, a 45 minute long show uh, and just kept playing, you know, what song you want to hear next? And it yeah. just do, 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 do. Oh, they love it. At some point, they all ask the same question, like, wait a minute, how many women have you done this for? I'm like, oh, you're the first baby. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I have a question. When you guys were doing overnights at, at uh, KBSG, yeah. did, did, did you guys ever get call some listeners, that, like older ladies or something, calling up asking for songs and that sort of thing? Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, you're yeah, just all too the good time. to be true. Can't take my, what is it, my eyes off of you? Frankie yeah. Bell. Oh, that yeah. was, I mean, that was, you know what? The, the funny thing about KBSG, which was, uh, for those who don't know, was an oldies station. We were playing like 50s and 60s music uh, is how many young girls called. That? Well, yes. not young girls, but like, you know, 18, young women. Yeah, 19 year old. Yeah. Do you know uh, who I'm referencing, Nick, with that song? For yeah. what's who is it? Frankie Can't Valley. take my uh, Can't take yeah, my I know the song, you, but uh, Carrie, the uh, the the Denny's waitress. Oh, is that? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. That's how you Bruce snuck he, into her, huh? Not, oh, no, yes. is this the Denny's that, that that used to be by by the um by Lake Washington? No, I no, drive. It was like an hour north or something. Closer to oh. Fife. Yeah, but I had, oh. this, I had this waitress that worked at Denny's on the overnight, and she would always call and ask for Frankie Valley, and we started talking and flirting, and I got which Denny's out of her, and I showed up at a restaurant one day, and she came over to ask for my order, and it, she she like, yeah, hey, welcome to Denny's, what can I get you? And I'm like, you are just too good to be true. I can't take my eyes off of you. And she just <laughs> turned, oh my God, he's ah! here. <laughs> I, I banged the, Denny, the snot out of that one. That was a nice Denny's one. in five. I know that Denny's very well. Yeah, she yeah. was. Nice. Uh, so, yeah. anyways, a radio fan here. Uh, I asked her, you know, give me some music. Who do you like? So, here's her answer um, Voodoo Child and all Jimi Hendrix. Nice. Okay. Good answer. Duh, she says. Uh, time of the season by the zombies. Talk wow. about good time. Great song. Awesome. Boom, song. Boom, boom. Who's your daddy? The Black Keys, Little Black Submarines. I don't okay. even know that Black Keys song, but I'll find it. Uh, and then the ZZ Top song. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Remember, that's LaGrange, I think. is what LaGrange, yeah. yeah. LaGrange. Okay. Yeah. Those are decent answers right there. I didn't see any fucking country music on that list. So yeah, thank God. That's at God. least one <laughs> positive thing. Yeah. So, but again, will she exist a week from now in my dating repertoire? I think so. I say yes. I'm going to lay the, the money that that she is going to uh she's going to be there okay where is Nick? she she's uh she's near she's reno or she's reno 36 area. i sent your picture she's good looking she's not <laughs> a right. blonde everyone so, tells me stop dating blondes yeah yeah i think that this is a good one to go after uh so let's solidify things dude i mean i think that she's going to be around 
uh, if you say, hey, let's uh, this Saturday, let's, you know, coffee, drink, whatever. Let's go do it. Well, I, I'm free. I, I'm going to play a song for you right now. You listen to baby? Bitches ain't shit but hoes and tricks. Yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I don't know if <laughs> she'll be around. Right. Right. Yeah, I don't know about that one. Okay, so we have two yeses. Uh, I'm going to say no. And you know why I say no? Because we're talking about her on the show. And so far, that's been a curse. So we uh, shall. So, I'll keep the game going, though. Are you going to. Will you try and make a date for. This yeah, Saturday week. is my next free night, uh, so I, I will try. I got another one in Reno that um, you know seems pliable. So we'll see. And she's one of these. I'm either looking for a long term or something short term. So either's fine at this point <laughs> if they're not yeah. crazy. Okay. So Steve, if, if you go to Reno, just promise me one thing. Yeah. Don't shoot a man in Reno just to watch him die. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Please don't, don't do, do that. that. It's a good. Uh, uh, with Johnny Cash references nowadays, I just keep going back to the burning ring of fire because that's all I can think oh, of in my, okay. my personal life. But uh, yeah, all right, sure. You're going to have to <laughs> stick the cork in, dude, for this uh, Saturday. If you get get a date on Saturday, you're just going to have to emodium it up. Oh, and I'll know- do the dose and a half, knowing that I'll end up in the hospital the next day. But that's- <laughs> <laughs> As long as I get through the night without embarrassing myself. Then, yeah. No you know, lactose, dude. I mean, just yeah. a nice chicken soup diet. And, you know, yeah, I'll be like the woman. I'm just going to have a salad with extra yeah. croutons. <laughs> yeah. All right. So before we uh, wrap this up, because we need to start wrapping up. First of all, do either of you have any uh, burning issues? Speaking of the ring of fire. Uh, no, I don't think so. No. Okay. Oh, I do want to make one mention. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Uh, I want to say to uh, we have a uh, listener that I know that is listening in Magnolia. I just wanted to share this with Brewski. Yeah. Oh. Uh, I got feedback, Brewski, that that this individual, this guy works with Rachel and uh, he's been listening to the podcast and he came and told her, uh, oh, I've been listening to the podcast. Podcast is great. This is the interesting thing. He's downloading and listening. He said, uh, oh, yeah, I put him on and I listen every time I go run. I find the podcast hilarious and cathartic. Okay, it's an interesting word to describe us. I know, but I loved it, dude, because uh, we're just, you know, hanging out, having conversation. And I feel like that's that's pretty cool. We're doing God's work here. That's what we're doing. <laughs> Thanks for listening, Patrick. We appreciate you. Vaya con Dios. Share us with your friends. Something evil going on here. <laughs> uh, I'm glad it's cathartic. I, I like to I would like to think that means something like it feels like hanging out with the guy friends or. Yeah. Or maybe yeah. he feels better about his life listening to crazy, <laughs> pathetic shenanigans. And the way you slice it, dude, I appreciate it. Yeah, I listen to that poor Steve guy, and I feel so uh. much better about my life. <laughs> Thanks, Steve. Hey, no. You're welcome. All no. right, so uh, I guess dating advice and all that stuff. Here's a question I've wondered. Um, I have an article here, and this is what spawned it. But uh, the article is the truth about how often you should be washing your hair. Oh, I know the answer to this. Well, how often do you think you should and how often do you personally? Because this is a big deal for me. I put a lot of thought into when I wash my hair. All right. I will will tell you this. I grew up with both of my my dad was barber. My mom was a a beautician. Okay. Okay. I will tell you that as a woman, you are definitely not supposed to. You should wash your hair every three days at the most. You should three, wash three your days hair. Three the most. Okay. Yes. For a woman only? For a woman. For a man, uh, you shouldn't wash your hair every day. It's not good. It dries your scalp out to do that. Um, okay. I, I happen to wash my hair every day. Really? 
Yeah, I don't have much of it and I just don't feel completely clean. And maybe it's also because I smoke. So like uh, I, I don't want to stink. Sure. You know, but yeah, I do. I wash it every day. Interesting. Brewski. How often do you wash well, your hair? Well, it, it depends on what product I've been using in my hair, because sometimes I use a grease based product and sometimes I, I don't. And if it's a water based one, it's easy enough to wash out. If it's a grease based product that I'm using, I can't wash it. I just got to leave, leave it in for a few days. So at that point there, it's probably every three days. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Because it doesn't wash out with regular shampoo. It's yeah. a whole it's a whole process. So there is a lot of people that say uh, you should only wash your hair once a week. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Oh, yeah. I, 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 that I can't get away with. Just... <laughs> and women have it a little easier because now they're using all these dry shampoos. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I suppose we could use them as well, but seems to work better with longer hair. I would think it just kind of takes the grease out of their hair. But how how often do you wash your hair, Harness? Once a week. So I don't use product in my hair at all. Um, I used way too much at a phase when I was in like sixth and seventh grade. I was just obsessed about spray, you know, hairspray, get it perfect, leave it like, and then I got into rock and roll and I grew my hair long and I just, I I rebelled against any sort of hair product. And nowadays I still don't. But the problem I have is when I wash my hair, it becomes so flat. There's just no body to it whatsoever. So I don't ever want to do anything social or take pictures or anything a day or two after I wash my hair. When I get four and five days in, my hair develops. It's probably just dirt or grease or whatever it is. And that's when my hair is good. Right now, I will never wash my hair before this show. So today or tomorrow will be hair washing day because I will have just gotten through filming this. If I was doing the show right now, like my hair would just be flat if I, you know, had just washed it. So if I I my hair also goes very flat. Yeah, but you use product. You have to, right? Look yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 if I didn't use product, then that would definitely be a concern because I I can relate with it, especially because my hair is thinner now, yes. and it's receded and it just sits flat on my on my head. I have yeah. to use product if I won't. We don't want to look like an idiot. Yeah. See, maybe this is what I need to start doing, but no, I just I I just stagger. I wash once a week, and for six out of those seven days, my hair is just naturally does what it wants to do, and I feel good about it and all that. But washing my hair, and maybe I need better soap or shampoo. I don't know. It just makes it so flat. So I put a lot into this, uh, a lot of thought into it, because I feel like once a week is kind of skanky and dirty, and I should probably be washing my hair a little more often. So when this article popped up, I was curious to see what they had to say. So. Uh, a recent report about a cancer-causing chemical being detected in some dry shampoos, Nick was just talking about, may have you rethinking your hair care routine. But experts say there is not a one-size-fit-all answer as to how often you should be washing your hair. Some people think that they have to wash their hair every day or they're going to get very greasy hair, says Dr. Anthony Rossi, assistant attending dermatologist uh, at the Sloan Kettering Cancer Center in New York City. Uh, He says, quote, if they give themselves a chance, they may see they don't actually have that greasy of a scalp or hair. Uh, On the other hand, though, they may not be able to tolerate going too long or too infrequent because they feel that their scalp becomes greasy or dry. So how frequent you should clean uh, your locks depends on multiple factors, including hair type and style, how oily your scalp tends to get, and your activity levels. Uh, Rossi generally tells his patients that they should wash their hair once or twice per week. Yeah. 
Yeah. But he says if they've had chemical treatments that can make your hair drier, such as bleach, perms, relaxers, they might want to wash it even less than once a week to avoid breaking or uh, breaking brittled hair. Interesting. Um, if your scalp is very oily, you might need to wash it as often as once a day, according to this doctor. And your age can play a role, too. It may change over the course of your life. Yeah. But I found it interesting that his generic answer was once or twice a week. So once a week is what I'm doing. And I felt that was way too long to go in between. But I think if you're comfortable with it and your your hair is not looking greasy or you're stinking, then it's it's fine. I mean, you're you you are a long shower. You take an hour long shower a lot of days. As long as the hot water will last, yes. Yeah. So I mean, you're really getting pelted, you know. And if you don't have any product in there, I don't know why you would have to wash it. I will tell you this, Steve. Moving in Please. to 2022 uh there's a throwback with pomades it's not the gel and the hairspray that you were using in seventh grade that you can take just such a micro amount that will just give your hair that fiber that you're looking for after it hasn't been washed for five or six days yeah it yeah. won't look it won't look shiny or like it's you know this my hair moves i could put it back i could put it down and it would kind of stick it's not like stuck where i am you may be great with a little pomade there's probably some product out there that help me i used to watch some reality show years ago on bravo it was uh, some hairdresser named jonathan i think his name was yeah, yeah. you know the show yep i do yeah he, he invented a product called dirt Yep. Because he said your hair is usually the best when you're a few days in. After washing, you get a little dirt buildup, and then it's it's manageable. You can sculpt it, but it's not rock solid. And he had a product called Dirt, and I thought like that sounds perfect for me because I feel like I need a little dirt in my hair. But I just I hate hair products. So well, you, you, another thing you might do too is you might get a, a hairbrush that has um, bristles that have space in between them. I do. Yes. So, so okay. So that when you brush your hair, it's aerating it while you're brushing it. So we'll give it give it body. Because I have two brushes. I have a roller brush for when I'm doing my sides. But when I'm trying to get my my hair up in my <laughs> really? on the front wow. there, yeah, I've got this this and it, it aerates it and gets my hair kind of kind of poofy uh, on top. And um, interesting. This, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm mildly obsessed with my hair. I don't want anyone touching it. Like, I'm at the point where I don't care if wind and whatnot. And I, part of my style is I comb it, and then I just kind of run my hands through it and just kind of let it puff up a little. And Pomade's your thing, to. dude. That's exactly how you would style your hair with pomade, and it would just give it a little texture that and you're water, looking for. And you'll want a water-based one, too, because th that'll that'll wash out easily. No problem then at all. You just, you know, so I wash my hair, it gets all flat, and then I have to use product to beef it back up. Like, am I, I just get in that vicious cycle then. But you wouldn't have to, you know, have, oh, I can't shower. I got a show tomorrow. You know, you'd be able to yeah. save yourself a little bit. Mm. And when you work out, it, you, it doesn't bother you when you get all sweaty. You're fine with just no soaking like it. it. I mean, first of all, I, I shower after I work out, so I don't just go all day, you know, with it. But I, I feel like that's part of what's good up there. I get a little little salt and dirt. A little and funk stuff. in it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't know. Hey, dude, I'm going to send you a I'm going to send you a thing of this pomade before you use it. Tell me when you get it. Just so you could just try it. OK, I'll try. I'll try. All right. My ex used to make fun of me. I uh, I brush my hair before I go to bed. She thought that was hilarious. Am I? Am I? Brady shit, dude. 
I mean, I have a whole nighttime routine thing. You know, I brush my teeth, I wash my face, and uh, I floss. And uh, But yeah, I brush my hair. And she would always laugh at that. And I said that if you go to bed with messy hair, you're going to wake up with freak-level hair. But if yeah. you comb your hair and go to bed, you just wake up, you're a little out of whack. And I don't want to roll over looking like some monster next to you. So yeah. I brush my hair before I go to bed. I'll tell you something. I have, I I probably haven't brushed my hair for 30 years. Do you have a comb or it's all fingers? It's all fingers. Really? Yeah. Wow, all fingers. Very caveman styling of you. I like that. Yeah, I have not brushed my hair. And so, so you don't yeah. own a brush? Uh I mean I have them in the bathroom because of my wife, but I don't own a brush. I I, I have a brush for my face, for my beard. <laughs> Interesting. I brush yeah. my beard too, but I have to, or it'll stick straight out. But yeah, that's interesting. So it's just pure finger because you're just, you're spiking it up and the sides you have shaved short, so you don't really need it. My, you know what? My hair will be down and I put it just like a pea size of this pomade in my hand, do a little bit of this, and then I get it all in the hair and then I just start doing this, put my fingers up and, and put it in the, the little mohawk. Wow. All right. One last quick question. I don't need the whole article, but it's on this sort of topic. How often do you replace your toothbrush? Not nearly often enough, but more than I used to. That's a funny every question. Every few months, every year? How often? Uh, I used to not. Uh, maybe once a year is what yeah. I used to do. Uh, and I, I don't know why. Somebody told me or I saw I read something. Now I do it about once every three months. Okay. So the American Dental Association, which obviously is biased and may work for toothbrush makers, but they're say they I read an article that said once every three months. Oh I'm like once a year probably. Yeah. That's what I used to be to too. before I replace it. Yeah. But but I also I will also soak my toothbrush in like really hot water or also I'll um put some peroxide on it too. Um, yeah. just to kind of make sure I'm clearing out any germs mm -hmm. and, and that's that sort of thing. Cause sometimes when it's in the bathroom, even if it's from one night to the next, you never know what could be flying around in your bathroom. Totally. Oh yeah, for right. sure. Yeah. I have boiled my toothbrush before, before I replaced it just uh, you know, have a pot of boiling water and just dip it in there for 30 seconds or whatever. But now I use an oral B electric toothbrush and it just changes the heads uh, and, nice. you know, so I change them. But are you guys uh, soft, medium or hard brush head? I'm more. I just learned this. I need a little gum, you know, massaging. You're yeah. more hard. Is that what you said? Yes. I do, do medium. Use? I do medium. Yeah. I found out last week. So I'm a medium as well. I can't do hard anymore because my teeth bother me. But yeah, uh, soft. everyone's supposed to be using soft. Really? It's really? The, it's supposedly if you floss, soft is the best for your gum and hmm. dental health. Interesting. And I do huh? floss. It's a highly educational show. Here's a toothbrush question for you. Have you ever gone through a bad breakup and you uh, take her toothbrush and just run it through your butt crack and then put it back in the, the holder and leave? Uh, no. No, I have never done that. Have you? No, I've never <laughs> done that. Oh, wow. No, why would you do that? I mean, that's just mean and cruel, right? And the funny thing is, by what I just did there, is now you don't know. Am I joking or am I warning you? Hmm. Which one of you? You'll <laughs> <laughs> never know. Or am I? <laughs> Phenomenal. It's way I've too late at this point, so don't worry I about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've, I've done other things, but, you know. What do you mean by that, dude? 
we got to start to wrap this up. But go okay, ahead, I, one I, bad break of, you know, shenanigan. I, I once took a dog poop and put it underneath my ex's um, door handle for a car. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. And it's one of the ones that you have to stick your fingers in and lift up. Yeah, right, right. That's yeah. hilarious. Although that means you have to touch it first. But oh, no, the no, irony no, no. is, you know, still worth it. So, the, a plastic I, I, bag. No, no, actually, it was a paper a, a paper towels from my, my tr- the trunk of my car. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Brilliant. Methodical. All right. Uh, listen, uh, we got to wrap this thing up. But uh, for those of you listening, we appreciate you. Find us on social media. Spread the good word. Uh, new shows posted every Tuesday. Uh, Come to our website. Find out how to get a hold of us and where we are. You can see us at thevocalminority.net. That is correct. All right, champions, fun as always. Uh, we will reconvene again next week. And in the meantime, I will, um, I'll, I'll keep pursuing my, my latest crop of internet dating. Please. My harem. Please. I'll be a champion. <laughs> Let us know how it goes. I'll have a whole new crop, I'm sure. So. All right, ladies and gents. Uh, good, good hanging with you guys today. Yep. Take care. As always. The right. Find us on social media. Peace, peace. Peace. This is the Vocal Minority with Nick and Steve. <laughs>